0: utopia where currency was just being nice to people and you just say nice things about people and with money we can nice. buy social
1: capital <laughs> well i guess you can't buy
0: yeah you can buy certain i
1: was about to say you can't buy enough to make yourself the president but you know what at that point uh, I, you don't fucking need to right
0: that's how you become president right well no i guess you have to be rich first yeah, yeah. so oh that's a whole complicated well, being being thing bloomberg that- rich didn't make him president no. but it did
2: stop the guy who was going to tax him heavily from probably from being president so <laughs> we'll see how that all works out.
1: You think Bernie doesn't have a shot now?
2: I desperately hope he does. I'm voting for him, but... I mm-hmm. mean, and I'll vote for Biden very unenthusiastically, but...
0: Surprised by how well Bernie did, actually. Like, I... in those for first some states... Reason, mm-hmm. I was not
2: surprised that he did well. I, was, I, I think that the... I think
0: I just got really pessimistic after, you know, no, the totally. events of... Yesteryear. Yeah. <laughs> well
2: and how poorly he did in twenty sixteen. But Yeah. Um, no, that's what I he yeah. did
0: do poorly in twenty sixteen. Well he, he, he wasn't, didn't do good enough. Right,
2: yeah. I mean in this one I thought that yeah, he was there's... gonna be uh, like hands down the one. Him or Warren. I just figured the world was like the the country was ready for that sort of reform. But you know and I get where people are like, How does it work? It's you know, be hard to implement, whatever. Then those are valid points. Um I read a fairly compelling thing about how like uh you know, Jeff Bezos is worth 140 billion dollars or whatever, but it's not like he has that sitting in his savings account. So no, how do you? How that's do you, the value of Amazon. Exactly. So how do you? Well, that's the value of his 12 percent of Amazon. Right. right? So like, yeah, yeah. how do you? How do you tax somebody on their, like? Like their their appraisal value
1: literally what he would have to do is sell off what he owns in Amazon every year to pay the taxes
2: It was that is that the actual policy or is that like what people are like saying would be the conclusion? Well, or that's is that, is that what...
1: where else is he gonna get the money if they're taxing him, you know at 1% of his net value and now we've the into politics. Is, Yeah, <laughs> well, so, well no, I'm I, like and at that point, you know, maybe some people want him to stop owning that much of Amazon I think that's dumb, but whatever. Well, like,
2: your net worth is pretty high because you, you own property. So, like, at some I point... I also have
1: a lot of debt on that property. That's true. So.
2: But, but like, say if you, you know, in 15 years you own four different places and they're all yours. right? Like, are you going to have to sell a house to pay your taxes one year? Like If the so, so I don't, wealth
0: I don't, tax applied to me, then yes.
1: I don't think that that...
0: I don't think the wealth tax will ever apply to you, though. That's, like, that's true. I mean, yeah. I hope it does. <laughs> but, like, the thing is... Oh, that, you mean like, you hope I get that much money? The wealth tax is... For people who never like don't have to ever worry about being poor or like like okay if they not just being poor like never having
1: to be
2: normal again.
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: I mean, I guess it's possible to blow through two hundred million dollars, but like at that point, then like you just fucked up.
0: There's a certain amount of money that I feel like is just too much money for like a person to have, and maybe that's I, I don't think this is very. uh I think of it. This is much more of an emotional response, yeah. and I haven't really thought deeply about it. I mean, but like. Yeah, from from my like emotional, you know, reactive part of me is just like, okay, like, nobody who has the wealth tax apply to them, no one has that much like money or like gets to complain. <laughs>
1: I, about. So I mean, yes, basically, I agree in terms of how we think of money in the day to day scale. But I don't, once you get a certain level of money, money doesn't mean that anymore. Money is not a thing that is how your life changes. Money is now like a resource for how you want to affect the world. So once you have that level of money, you start using it in ways to shape the world in ways that you think are better. And basically what we're doing is saying to people, we don't want you to shape uh, the way of the world, we want the Government to shape it instead, mm, so we're taking that power from you. I Which know, I, cl- I kind of am a hundred percent behind
2: that. Right? Like,
1: like I'm, if, I'm, I, if, don't I, if know. I had a
2: trillion dollars, I shouldn't be allowed to buy all the politicians I want and just protect all of my own personal interests at the expense of everybody yeah. else. You
1: don't have to buy politicians, but like, I would but, much but rather. You, like, that, that's what's going on, right? I mean, the really I shitty part, part is how cheap they fucking are. Yeah, that's the weird thing. You see of like the campaign donations? It's like what seventy-five thousand dollars. I know. What the hell is going on? Like, no. What I mean is, like, I would. Much rather that Elon Musk have a hundred billion dollars to shape the future I mean, of the world of than for Donald Trump to have a hundred billion dollars I mean, for right. it. Right, but because you don't get to pick, like, yeah. unless you don't get, you're, get to, you get get to pick rich. your politicians either. Well, you
2: you, you sort of get to pick. Them. Do you? You, you get. So, you get I, I more are you control. happy about so- any
1: politician? I
2: put sort of in quotes. Are you uh, happy
1: about any politician that is running the country right now?
2: I mean, running the country, we've got the one. If, n- if, I'm, n- if n- I'm picturing like the whole group of all of Congress people, yeah. Oh. I like uh, Alexandria Cortez. Okay, I think she's fantastic. I think she's like the the uh, Bizarro Trump.
1: And how much <laughs> say did you have in getting her into her position? Nothing. She's, right. she's yeah. yeah. She's New York. There is, I think, <laughs> maybe two two Congress Not people that I New think York. are mostly okay, and I just I I, I really trust. Uh, I really trust some. I don't want to say the word trust, but I would rather that money be in the hands of someone who has uh, some experience using the money and who is not beholden to the interests that politicians are beholden
2: to. If I got to push my power to Elon Musk mm-hmm. and not just whoever happened to have more money than him, mm-hmm. who got to shape the world instead, yeah. I feel like if we were just to, like, hey, let's let, let's let the people with the most uh, <clears throat> financial power run the world we're probably setting ourselves up for disaster because there's more bad people with big big money than good people. Yeah, you, Is get, there? you tend to get uh, money
0: by defecting, I think. Like, to get, like, large amounts of money.
1: I don't think that's true anymore.
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's still definitely true. I don't think it's always the case, but I don't think that it's...
1: Under capitalism, for the most part, people get really rich by creating great deals of wealth for society. And you, Yeah, you're talking it's about it's mostly the U.S., when, Yeah, in the U.S., it's mostly when the government interferes and starts using force and violence that... You, you know, expropriate money in bad ways.
2: Did you see the SNBC about, like, becoming part of the system? Yes. Yeah. I think it encapsulated because you expressed a thought like that to me like a year ago. Yeah. And it was kind of spot on. Um, all right. We had a, well, I guess I was going to, like, try and segue us into the podcast, but I can't remember what, <laughs> like, how we're going to, I'll
0: let someone else do that. Insert so. segue here. Insert segue. <laughs>
1: Uh, hey, welcome to the podcast. We've already started, but this is the Basing Conspiracy, and you've been listening for a few minutes now. I'm Minyash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber.
0: I'm Just Dicky. I hope you're still here. <laughs> we promised
1: we're done talking about politics. I had a I moment last night recording that. with Brian. I was
2: like, "Okay, can... we don't promise." <laughs> Sorry. I was like, "I can hear people unsubscribing, dude. Shut the hell off."
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. What kind of sound does that make? It's Like it's... a slamming door noise.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like just like a whoosh. Did you actually say that to him? Yeah. Nice. It stayed in the show, too. I can't remember what he said. It was, it was something funny. So Cool. I like Brian. Yeah, no, he's great. I
0: appreciate having somebody there that, like, is pointing out the... Like, I, I know that I am a fanboy. Oh, you know what? We're not doing the podcast. No, We're right. going to talk about um, Malcolm Gladwell's talking to strangers, yes?
1: Yes, although we wanted to maybe this time get uh, the sequences and a few feedback's out of the way first so we don't run out of time do we want to try doing that this week hey that's
0: something we could try let's experiment
1: okay everything's crazy this week there was no official intro now we're doing things backwards uh but before we jump into that we are quickly going to talk about the coronavirus because that is a thing that everybody is talking about right now um as usual rationalists are one step ahead of everything (laughs) <laughs> so um there were a couple weeks. so none f- of us got sick right well <laughs> it's gonna still happen but you know a couple weeks ago people were already talking about um hey this uh this core COVID 19 thing looks like it's going to be a big deal and start asking what would this do to the markets if if this turned into an epidemic because it doesn't seem like people are panicking correctly and uh several people in the community who had a lot of money in the markets uh Sold some percentage in preparation. A lot of people started stocking up on basic necessities. And then, yeah, lo and behold, the things does start spreading. I, less than one week ago, literally less than seven days ago, I was talking with my boss. And I was, you know, just saying, like, yeah, I'm kind of canceling all my going out, being with people plans. And he said, yeah, but, you know, we're not on the coasts. It's fine. We're safe here. And I looked at him and I said, Denver International Airport is a major hub it's gonna be here like i didn't say any of the rest of this but what the fuck was he thinking yeah anywhere where there's an international airport yeah there's people coming here from all over all the time this giant tubes where they're breathing the same air as other people for six plus hours and then they stay in the hotels here it's it's gonna get into every major city
2: i tried to get brian to to commit to a bet with me at the meetup on tuesday Mm -hmm. that like we'd have a case in denver by the end of the month because i was being super like yeah, uh, gentle with my guess.
1: And then we had a case like, what, we had, four we had, days later? We had two
2: cases <laughs> on three days later on Friday. How oh, did later? you get yeah. money? Yeah. No, we didn't actually place a bet. Because oh. he was like, oh, we'll have a
0: case in a month. And I'm like, yeah, we will. So, <laughs> so you know um, what would be cool is if at airports, like, the TSA cared at least as much about spreading pandemics yeah. as they did about stopping terrorists. Like, what if we screened people for infectious diseases?
1: They don't even care about stopping terrorists. They no. care about security theater.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, but like my... I, it would be it'd be one thing to like stop somebody who clearly has a cold, but then it like, I mean, Rachel sneezes be- six or seven times a day. Actually, it would be six to eight because she always double sneezes, and it's just allergies. Yeah. She's she's yeah. done that every day for the last twenty five years, right? So, like in the same sense that we don't want our airport security personnel profiling people that look like terrorists, we don't people don't we don't want them profiling people who look sick. Uh, like we want them
0: to be
3: clearly yeah, sick. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, like, yeah, another, like, sort of tangent. Another thing that airport Security loves to do is stop trans people. Really? It's like, Phoenix and I have made a joke about it now. Like, Why, do you guys look like terrorists or something? No, because they have a gender button that they push before you go through the scanner thing that if it notices something is off, then you get flagged and then you have to get the pat down. And you have to awkwardly like now explain to an airport security person. It's like, Yup, I've got a dick. <laughs>
2: can, I'm can he, trans.
0: Hello, airport. Hi. Is, is that
2: the just trans flying protocol, of just like declaring what presenting genitals you have so that they don't, aren't surprised on the scan? Cause that sounds like the easiest way around it. Even yeah, if it's an uncomfortable no, like, question to answer and, you know, have to answer it the way that they want to hear I it. I guess
0: like for like, me, I just like, yes, find it ex- to be funny and exasperating, but some people find it to be incredibly invasive and triggering.
1: So <laughs> wait, why do they, they have to pat down all trans people?
2: No, I think it's like if you go in there and you say, I'm am a woman. And no, they go look there, at you. They, they don't ask you.
0: They oh, look at you. They make a judgment call. They push a button. Yeah. And so if you look like a woman, but then there's like something weird on this scanner. Oh, this is like, this looks wrong. And then they've got to go like. Oh, yeah. does
1: this done. woman have They're, this
2: they're this packing their, something at waist level. Yeah, and they're okay. like, well, hold on a second. Or like yeah. me with Perfect a place for explosives.
1: Right. right. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to be a terrorist and, like, stick a bomb in their underwear and be like... <laughs>
1: you know what? If you were really committed to it, you could have your testicles removed and put some explosives up there instead. I don't know how big the, expo- the, the explosives the could Stop the terrorists. It's true. You might have to be, like, in a vulnerable location on the plane.
2: I feel like there are easier ways to get things on board. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean,
1: there's much easier ways. People walk through with explosives all the time. Not real explosives, but fake explosives, I walk you know?
0: through with scissors, like, every goddamn time. Like i always especially when uh i, I was brought still mace on student. my last
2: two flights on accident because it's my backpack
0: <laughs> yeah
2: i mean if i can take down a plane with a pair of fingernail clippers i can take down a plane <laughs> with, with a can of maize. yeah i did
1: not mean to cut you off though
0: no i would like feel like we should get back on whatever topic <clears throat> right, what right topic the, the whole talking about coronavirus
1: thing or covid19 but coronavirus is just cooler so i think that's sticking um basically avoid any large gatherings definitely anything where there's more than 10 people in close proximity i am basically not going out dancing or to any theaters for the next two to three months which sucks but whatever uh like what? do, you, do you
2: think it'll be blown over in two to three months like that so i, I bring that up because my manager i think takes his cues from idiot politicians and not right. scientists on like how, the level of what, what how to be concerned here mm-hmm. um and it's like, this isn't going to go away in April.
1: So right? two months is my minimum lower bound right now. And as we get, you know, further on, if it needs to be extended, I'll extend it.
2: I think that there's a great chance those will just be with us for the next few years. Okay. I think that there'll be people with coronavirus running around on Earth for... I mean, like, through, SARS through the decade. is still around. Yeah. yeah. Like, But just will, want it still to be, the... will it still be rampant is maybe the question right, or the concern. Yeah.
0: Well, it's more a matter of whether we find a way to treat it and contain it effectively to maybe vaccinate against it there's a lot of clinical trials right now um it's just uh pandemics one of the scary things about them is just that you're new you don't really know like how to fight them yet and learning that is like the key to you know finding the antigen and then like finding ways to treat it keep it under control versus having it spread having it um losing your herd immunity yeah
1: So key things is uh, don't panic, obviously. Uh, It's not going to kill most people that are listening to this podcast, although I'm sure there are some immunosuppressed people listening to us. So they'll be at high risk. We want to get past the initial outbreak hump. It's not going to be like one of those post-apocalypse movies, but the economy will likely take a hit for a little while. I'm Uh,
2: refinancing my house. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Down 1.1%.
1: Oh, holy shit. Yeah.
2: Nice. Okay. Kind of cool. Yeah to lower my mortgage by like
1: 180 bucks a month.
0: Yeah, maybe take advantage of it if you see an uh, opportunity. If you're in a major <laughs>
1: metropolitan area, there's a good chance that sometime in the coming months the government is going to ask you to stay indoors as much as possible for a few weeks. So when you get a chance, go out and stock up on some food. Like, seriously, rice doesn't take a lot of space and is a lot of calories. So you can, you can just grab some rice and maybe some frozen chicken, get enough food to last you for two weeks if you need to. My thing... Like,
2: I don't know, I I have a number of thoughts on, uh, man, all right, I'll try and make this quick because this isn't the crux of the episode. So, like, I am not super concerned about dying because I'm in the age demographic where very, very few people have died, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, And, like, I never go out to clubs anyway, so I'm not losing that part of my life. But, like, this morning I went to Einstein and got a bagel. Damn, like damn it so You've like killed us all but who knows what they've been up to right <laughs> yeah. so like unless I completely shut myself off it's not just about not going to crowded disgusting places it's yeah. like don't go anywhere right so like that, am I supposed to do that that is the thing
1: that you might need to do for a few well, weeks Right, but, but am I supposed peak? to do
2: that now starting for like for the next 90 days no or? I don't think right now yeah so it, it's it's needed yeah I, I, I don't know like my, i already
1: see people like you know the touchscreens at king supers for yourself checkout they either use something wrapped around their finger or they like use the back of their hand to touch it stuff like that also uh,
0: you don't i've, want been, to I've been using the back of my surfaces. knuckles for those
2: touchscreens for years oh
0: okay <laughs> so something frustrating is that clorox and lysol wipes are sold out everywhere like you can't get them on amazon
2: yeah i can't find purell um <laughs> it, yeah
1: it's really hard to get um the masks now great?
2: Well, the and, N95 masks. Yeah, and it like and this is the the next thing that people always say. So just to rehearse the cast thought, leave those for the professionals, the environments where they're actually useful. Yeah. you're not gonna be able to use the same mask every day, all day. And if you steal ninety of them from you know your local doctor's office, then they, yeah. are, then the people who are sick won't be able to have them. Yeah, they're more they useful more. for
0: keeping other people from getting it if you are sick. Yes. Uh,
2: my main concern is like both my parents have been smoking for forty years. My grandma's in her late eighties. They are both. Both, all three of them are in very high risk demographics, Yeah. and that stresses me out.
0: Yeah. Are they um, people that go out a lot and mm-hmm. interact with other people from like various,
2: you know? Uh- um, not really. Like, but I mean, all my grandma's friends are in her age demographic. They go to the doctor's office because they're all old. Yeah. And so, you know, people, sick people with with coronavirus go to the doctor's office and you know, coughing all the doorknobs because they're a bunch of fucking heathens. <laughs> um, the best thing about like me is I'm not changing really any of my daily habits because I've been politely germophobic for, uh, you know, several years. So like, I'm, <laughs> I'm always cautious about doorknobs. I always have Purell on me. Like, I, I'm not over the top. I don't think it doesn't impact my daily life in a negative way. But like, I'm conscientious about these things. Mm. And it's like, yes, now, finally, everyone's being told to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, stop fucking <laughs> coughing into your
1: hands like a bunch of goddamn animals. Um, I'm not a prepper. I think someday maybe we should have a quick episode on just basic stuff that everyone should have. But Mm, unless you are completely strapped for space, I think everyone should have at least a week's worth of calories in their house at all times. Like if you start dipping below a week, go out get more. And I, there's almost no one in America who can't go one week without eating and they're going to die. But yeah, you don't want to be starving for, you know, a number of days if you can help it. It's not healthy. It makes it harder to fight off viruses.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, my main concern is people that I know getting sick. Um, And so, like I said, my grandma, her social group, they all go to the doctor all the time. I mean, they don't go clubbing, but um, my mom works in a position where she interacts with dozens of strangers a day um, at a a dentist office. So all of them have their mouths open all day, right, Mm -hmm. when they're in the office. Uh, It's, I don't know, my dad probably thinks he's too cool to wash his hands properly. So, uh, (laughs) like, they're, you know. So, you know, my my concern is all all of the people in high-risk groups that I don't want to get
1: sick, Mm -hmm. but yeah aren't you know. going to visit your parents after this i am sounds like a risky thing to do sir yeah i'll explain later you can't okay yeah you can't completely alter life for something like this plus they're in fort collins so they're in a lower risk area
2: yeah it sucks because like i'd like to visit my grandma it'd be silly for me to like i don't know i'm torn on that what do you guys think i should do because I, I keep hearing problems. like
0: if you you know really if you really care love... for your loved ones don't visit them <laughs> especially
1: the people that are yeah in their <laughs> call 80s call them hmm
0: you cannot transmit coronavirus over the phone.
1: Yet.
2: Wait till it takes <laughs> Growth off. Growth mindset. <laughs> yeah, COVID-20 will be over the phone. Um, COVID-21 over text
0: and so I'll we'll be dead bit. in three days. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried about working in a hospital. Yeah, that's worrisome. The hospital's doing a really good job of, I mean, they, they were way prepared and...
1: Is it a general hospital or just for cancer?
0: Um, well, I work in the cancer center, but it's a general hospital. Okay. It's got like a bunch of buildings together for... There's, yeah, the research department. There's a, for some reason, a, <laughs> what is it? Physical therapy office, uh, children's hospital.
1: As long as I'm complaining about the government, the, uh, do you see how the <laughs> CDC fucked up the testing oh, kits? Oh, yeah. Making it illegal to administer any testing kits that weren't that from them a, directly?
0: was the CDC. It was the FDA, right?
1: Or maybe it was the FDA. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might have actually been overturned. I'm getting the two of them confused. Um, Yeah, I mean, after two, three weeks of delays. Yeah. Turns out also you cannot sell uh, a number of things on eBay like uh, filter masks anymore because uh, apparently the prices were like quadrupling and that may run afoul of government anti-gouging laws. So now you just can't buy them at all, which is, you know, even better. It's like the government doesn't understand that price is a signal to suppliers to pre- supply more of this thing. That's hilarious. I mean, it's it's both funny and and or it's both funny and not funny. Yeah, I think most of my thoughts. These can are be, not the people who want to have extra money.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's I don't like I as far as prepping for things. You know, I probably have a week's worth of calories in the house. I never buy bottled water, but I was at Costco a couple days ago, and I saw people coughing, which is great. Mm. Um, and uh, it was like. 575 for 40 bottles of water so i bought 40 bottles of water and they're now gonna hang out in my my pantry for you know ages it's also like this you know under the stairs cut cabinet thing so it's not taking up valuable space yeah. but i was like this, the is, this is like cheaper region. than like this is almost like as cheap as tap water yeah, yeah. like six bucks it, it so i mean actual now, tap
1: water is as cheap as tap water and you can get a 15 gallon water containers super fucking cheap off amazon or anywhere
2: yeah and then you know a little bit and of di- just fill them up dis- disinfectant or yep, whatever yep. to keep it from getting stagnant The disinfectant I have, is like 20 dollars for uh 50 tabs i have like no concern about the water turning off <clears throat> me neither um I just figured, like, hey, now I've got bottled water. And it was the kind of thing that people were, you know, I saw people walking out with palletfuls of bottled water. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn.
0: I think Scott Alexander pointed out that Amazon is still delivering in Wuhan. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think civilization is going to collapse. It's just going to be, like, you know, there's there's some precautions that you could still take while not also freaking the fuck out and thinking that it's the end of the world.
1: Amazon is a service you can trust.
0: Although they were saying, uh, probably disinfect your packages
1: and open them outside
0: yeah. yeah with gloves oh man um i'm on this clinical research memes facebook group and somebody posted a picture of a bunch of uh flu masks that they had gotten that were from Wuhan. <laughs> like ah, uh, should we open these <laughs> like look what, you, look what yeah. we just got look where they're from hmm, yeah. hmm. i don't know
1: all right should we go on to the the strong post yeah I'll or just, was there more Cronus stuff to say
2: i'll just say that basically i think all the fun stuff all if you i i, I guess i take it in this order i'd read the slate star codex post yeah um, we'll link that which is fun i put a note on that already and then okay. uh there was a last week tonight episode on this too so if you want the comic relief version that one's also valuable cool basically his his thing is find the find the the golden mean between like licking posts in the subway <laughs> and chugging bleach Ooh, so you know between those two extremes find find a happy spot
0: yeah you can actually drink a little bit of bleach like uh, uh
2: take that with a grain of salt rather don't take your bleach with anything <laughs> sorry how much bleach take should you drink
0: their, uh you can look it up but like if you dilute it a certain amount it, it, it that's one of the like things that you can use as a survivalist tactic
1: uh, oh to clean your
2: water bleach tablets if you're if you're drinking bathtub water maybe throw bleach throw a cat full of bleach in it or something right well make
1: sure you know what the dosage is first yeah so find that out but
2: but don't don't take a don't take a little mini shot of bleach in the morning to try and keep yourself from getting sick (laughs) that that's that's what john oliver was getting at okay um of course to him it was a picture of a guy with an upside down bottle of bleach just chug pouring into his face (laughs) So, so um yeah
0: yeah and then um there is a discord group called social distancing um created in the Berkeley Rationalist area because they've got some cases there. People are worried about it. People who are socially distancing themselves can join this for tips on uh, prepper stuff and then also just updates and socialization if you're just going to be stuck in your house. Um, I'll uh, see if maybe there's a shareable link that I can get. Or if not, uh, I'll see about how you can get involved in that. I happen to just be added one day (laughs) because I have people that I know in the Berkeley area and they just, I think we're just mass inviting people. Excellent.
1: Cool. All right. So jumping along to the less wrong posts. First one we have today is update yourself incrementally. Does anyone want to launch into this?
0: Um, it's okay if your cherished belief isn't perfectly defended. <laughs> if the hypothesis is that the coin comes up heads 95% of the time, then one time in 20 you'll expect to see what looks like contrary evidence. Yet, it is widely believed, especially in the court of public opinion, that a true theory can have no failures, and a false theory no successes.
1: Um, yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you find people holding up a single piece of what they think of an evidence and claiming that their theory can explain it as though this was all the support they needed. And apparently a false theory can have no supporting evidence. So, I guess we run into this a lot with, um, Um, not a lot anymore, but we ran into it a lot with 9-11 truthers, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, a lot of conspiracy theories are people just anomaly hunting. Well, what about this? What about
1: this? How do you explain that? Well, my theory can explain it, so it can't be a false theory.
0: It's just people are very uncomfortable with saying that that's a coincidence. That's also a coincidence, and it's, like, kind of, you know, linking back to the anthropic principle episode we had last time, where hardwired to look for causality as a species.
2: And I think the the important thing to and like a rationalist technique to apply to in the case of especially anomaly hunting and conspiracy theories is like if you didn't predict it in advance yeah. that um I, I don't know what all the coincidences that they point to in the 911 stuff but like if you if you if your model didn't have that already in advance then you didn't you 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 weren't modeling this at all you were just like Yeah, you're just after the fact
0: pointing at weird things and going, "Oh, what about that?" Uh, that's, uh, something that I've seen brought up recently with some shoddy science where there's, there's a bunch of ways you can do science bad and something that is getting more attention lately that I'm pretty happy about is people pointing out that you did not, um, theorize this ahead of time. So uh-huh. <laughs> people will do, I don't know, it's like a, a study about asthma and they didn't have any kind of hypothesis ahead of time. It's just then like, after the fact, they're looking at it and being like, Oh, look, it looks like, uh, I don't know, you, you can skew the data this way to make it look like the, the drug that we're testing helped in these ways. And it's like, did you predict that that was a thing that this drug was going to do? If no, then like that's useless. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I, I think I, uh, one of the things that is stressed throughout this post is that uh, beliefs generally shouldn't be binary on off. theories either true or false, that they should be held with uh, a certain probability. Like 95% confidence that this, or that this coin comes up heads 95% of the time, something like that. Uh, Because one of the things that he mentions is that uh, even with a correct model, if it is not an exact model, you will sometimes need to revise your belief down. If an iota or two of evidence happens to counter support your belief, that's okay, just shift your belief downward a little. If it's true, supporting evidence will come in shortly and the probability will climb again. If the theory is false, you didn't really want it anyway.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I've found myself getting really uncomfortable with that, like, or rather, I've like caught myself and tried to fix it. But, uh, um, darn, there was a recent example, but I can't think of it. But you know when, uh, oh no, I remember it about um, Roundup. So, I was getting really frustrated with people talking about that, like Roundup being toxic, mm. and. I looked it up at the time, and I was like, no, studies have shown that Roundup is toxic. Uh, the mechanism of action doesn't even make sense for it being toxic. It like deletes an enzyme from a plant that lets it photosynthesize. Mm-hmm. You don't photosynthesize. <laughs> but um, last night, I was like having this argument with people, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a pet, big pet peeve of mine. And somebody said, well, actually, there have been some studies recently that had a possible connection to carcinogenicity. So I was like, uh, all right, show me. And then they did. And I was like, hmm hmm okay <laughs> yeah thanks now like you get to revise <laughs> slightly
1: yeah in the down but I, I
0: like noticed myself wanting to like start defending my point right so i didn't look dumb or something and then it's like oh that's not a good that's not a good impulse <laughs>
1: you did a good thing you were a good rationalist yeah, yeah, yeah. congratulations yeah he says that well the way he ends his post is uh that uh maybe some more counter support comes in just a tiny bit So you rise down again just a little bit and new upward support is slow to trickle in. You may find your belief drifting further and further downward until finally you realize from which quarter the winds of evidence are blowing against you. In that moment of realization, there's no point in constructing excuses. In that moment of realization, you have already relinquished your cherished belief. So by, you know, slowly just updating a little bit, uh, you can get yourself to becoming less wrong without even having to have a major you know, existential struggle over it. Hey, mm-hmm. that's the name of the show. Yes. <laughs> uh, he did mention earlier up, which I didn't re-quote, but uh, uh, the rationality is not for winning debates; it is for deciding which side to join.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good line.
1: Yeah, if you've already decided which side to argue for, the work of rationality is done within you, whether well or poorly.
0: Yeah, it's worth noticing um, when you when you do have a position on something, and you're not sure how you got that strong of a position on it trying to trace your line of thinking backwards and being like, did I get this from first principles? Did I look this up? Or is this just something that I'd heard repeated by authority figures enough times or something like that? That's another thing I'm trying to notice too. Like, uh, I think that's part of the
1: reason he tries to distance rationality from political stuff, or at least did at the time, because politics is much more about winning debates. Yeah. And... If you're trying to figure out which debate which side of the debate to argue from first, then that's that's a slightly different thing. Yeah, well I think is that was Rastor mainly what it was meant to be for.
0: I think that was mainly like politics is a really bad area to start in because we're just as a species so hardwired for tribalism. Yeah. It's better to like I, yeah, and that was the other thing that I had forgotten about the um politics is the mind killer was that he actually says like this is for advanced rationalists not we don't talk about politics around here at all ever it's just more if you're just new to this you're just starting out like hone your skills in the areas of scientific fact or like you know something that's less uh stabbing directly into your soul first (laughs) anyway
2: no and i think that's i mean i'm looking forward to the politics of the mind killer series when we get there they kind of come up Sparingly, really yeah, but I think some of the, more of the points like keep coming up like that, and I I, okay. I like the that uh, that admonition about like this isn't something that we can't not discuss. This isn't something that we just don't discuss. It's just like this is a really shitty intro move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's antithetical to a good approach for an outsider, right? Yeah. All right, let we me say for me...
1: having argued about politics twenty minutes ago. Yeah.
2: Well, that's because. That's I mean, you're an we're also having fun. Yeah, well, I was I was almost going to say that, but I'm not going to pat myself on the back like that. But what I will say is that like, we're not, uh, I mean, we kind, kind, well, A, I didn't know we were starting the episode. Right. B, um, that was more a discussion among friends. And yeah. Like, if I was trying to tell somebody, like, oh, yeah, here's what this is about, and here's how it applies to your favorite candidate for president. Oh, like, God, that, that'd be the worst exactly, idea. Exactly, yeah. right? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Um. another thing I did want to point out with this one is, I like when these posts get self-referential. This one said, uh, this one links to people wanting their debates to be one-sided, mm-hmm. which is an earlier post, uh, debate should not appear one-sided. What was that one titled? I think so. Okay. The
1: name, yeah.
0: yeah, that's um, a benefit that you do get from reading the sequences in order.
1: Yeah, he covers previous concepts.
0: And yeah, then it, it keeps them building on them until you've got this uh, much bigger model in your head than you started out with. That's why sometimes I do find it frustrating to like try to say that. Like, oh, yeah, there's this whole thing about how you shouldn't want your debates to be one-sided, and then I'll link the original post. and I'm like, this doesn't look as strong as I remembered it being. This right. just kind of seems like <laughs> well, there's it's also the thing there was where all like
1: stuff building up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's hard to get all that context there. It's like well, you really have to just read the sequence. Uh, that's, that's a lot of text, though. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: it's it's like he's trying to bridge a very large inferential gaps, mm-hmm. and has to do a lot of work to get there.
0: Yeah. Moving on. on. Yeah. Um, one argument against an army. Suppose the country of Fredonia is debating whether its neighbor, Sylvania, is responsible for a recent rash of meteor strikes on its cities. (laughs) The meteor struck cities close to the Sylvanian border. There was unusual activity in the Sylvanian stock markets before the strikes, and the Sylvanian ambassador, Trentino, was heard muttering about heavenly vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) And then you encounter some arguments by pro Sylvania traders again and again and again. But each time, the new arguments handily defeated three to one.
1: Can I really quickly interject? Yes. I cut out a part in the middle where it said that a pro-Sylvania trader, <laughs> in quotes, uh, <laughs> approaches you and says, but look, it doesn't make any sense for the for the uh, comet strikes to be the work of Sylvania because of this. And I don't know, they point out something from astronomy, right? Like, meteors are very, very hard for humans to direct. It would be basically impossible. And <laughs> you go, yeah, but But they all hit cities close to the border, (laughs) and there was unusual activity in the stock market beforehand, and the ambassador did talk about heavenly justice just before this happened. So, eh, you know, I got my three points of evidence against your one that, like, we think humans don't know how to do this yet, but maybe they do. So uh, I'm going to stick with my argument here because, you know, it just seems there's there's more weight to this side.
0: Yeah, three to one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by rehearsing the arguments you already knew, you're double-counting your evidence.
1: Yeah, and then people keep coming to you with another argument, and each time you're like, yeah, but I got these three against your one. And uh, then someone comes with another one, and it says, and on every occasion you feel yourself becoming more confident that Sylvania was indeed responsible, shifting your prior according to the felt balance of evidence. Because it's three to one every time. Yeah. But by (laughs) the
2: end of the week, it's 30 to to three, but you're not thinking of it that way because you're not keeping score. This reminds me of a similar post where it was um like a a religious like a um intelligent design argument or something and like every time they'd be confronted with a new piece of anti-information they'd they'd give back the intelligent design you know spiel Mm -hmm. and they'd be like aha i need to feed another and another and another Mm -hmm. um was i think it was just a similar point about like cognitive stop signs or something but it's the same sort of failure
1: yeah yeah and he ties this back right into the previous post, uh, which is why we grouped them together, saying that the balance may, the balance of evidence may still support your cherished belief, but you still have to shift the probability down, yes, down, from whatever it was before you heard the contrary evidence. It does no good to just rehearse the supporting arguments because you have already taken those into account. So if someone does make a contrary point, even if you think it's a, not a good point and your points are you know, better and outweigh it, You still should adjust down just a little bit, so that if you keep getting all these little arguments over time, they can build up to, you know, bring you to where a thirty to three should be.
0: Yeah, this reminds me of the arguments as soldiers, which I think we covered earlier too. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the kind of mindset where you're not thinking about how to debate like factual, (laughs) factual facts correctly. You're thinking about I've got these three magic items and every time someone comes at me with a new magic item I'm going to use these three and they keep they keep working so I'm just going to keep using them haha I've got my three magic but like it's you know (laughs) you're not trying to win a fight that's that shouldn't be the point of what you're doing like if you're actually trying to find out the truth then that is just a very wrong way to think about how to do it
2: so speaking of wrong ways to think about how to do this um, if I'm in dialogue with a moon landing denier Mm -hmm. they will have if, they're a, if they make a living out of it, like some people do, they'll have 4,000 arguments about why the moon landing was fake. Hmm. And I've got like three about why it was real. Hmm. So like, for every one that I hear, I've got to update down a little bit in my confidence that the moon landing happened.
1: I mean, depending. First of all, if it's an argument with some validity, then yes, you probably should update down a little bit. Uh, Just how little that little bit is might be very little if it's really weak. But there's also some arguments that you can dismiss by actually looking at the argument. Yeah. Like looking at this and being like, no, this this argument counts for zero because it's so bad because of, you know, reason X, Y, or Z. Uh, I think this is more like you cannot use the arguments you already know to be like, ah, I see. Maybe you have a point there, but I have all this other evidence on the other side, so I'm going to... Uh, ignore that
0: point yeah this is
1: um if it is a somewhat valid point to take into consideration
0: this is a particular analogy that's trying to get at the heart of why this kind of why this style of trying to argue is not actually useful for getting towards the truth of something but uh just because they're talking about the numerical error that some people make that like there's also the point the point that this is like physically impossible for people to have done argument should actually win like it doesn't matter whether it's one to three arguments like oh but it looks suspicious uh versus this is physically impossible to have like obviously that Mm -hmm. argument's going to defeat any other like but this is weird and isn't that weird but you're like this is still physically impossible you could just keep using that argument because
1: or if that moon landing denier has like extremely good evidence one single piece of evidence could overrule everything else you can be like oh shit you're right you know, it, even if it's just one argument, if it's that good of an argument.
2: Yeah, this is much more valuable from the perspective of a moon landing denier with bad arguments, where they're like, well, the flag look like, looks like it moves for a minute. <laughs> and like, if they just said that to every counterpiece, every every piece of information about why you think the moon landing happened, yeah. like, but the flag moved a little bit, I think. <laughs> um, so, of course it moved a little bit.
1: They were planting it.
2: Well, uh, but I mean, that's that's one of the things that they say, like, flags don't wave in space. How did it, how did it blow in the wind? And it's like, it didn't, there was a, supporting pole yeah but, um or like the dust uh, um, uh this this would be like a good counterpoint to that so like you say like well yeah but if you watch them jump and then you watch the dust move at like one six like one sixth g mm-hmm. like what do they got string to all that dust was this early cgi like uh, <laughs> yeah
0: that's another thing like uh, i remember people would say that the lighting looks like stage lighting and they're like yeah the shadows are weird the lighting's weird. i'm like yeah no shit it's weird the atmosphere is different like <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, Aladdin looks weird. It's on the, it's on the fucking moon.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't have lights like that on Earth. <laughs> I think someone looked into how much it would cost Kubrick to, because uh, they say Kubrick directed the moon landing, <laughs> how much it would cost Kubrick to do those kind of special effects, and basically it would be impossible, but if it had been possible, it would be cheaper to go to the moon than it would be to <laughs> fake the, the moon landing.
2: Yeah. And, you know, well, they brought rocks back. It's like, yeah, but you know, we've had meteorite strikes in Antarctica, and that could be moon rocks. And huh. I'm like, yeah, come on, so man. It, it, I mean, I, that's I, that's that's actually something. Yeah, but like, if, if I go there, take pictures, and then bring back the ones right. that I took pictures of, and it's like, oh, you just brought those to the set in L.A. And it's like, no, come on, man. <laughs> I don't know. I I lost the I. I don't know if i ever had fun well no i must have for a couple of years had fun debating with like conspiracy theorists but then you, it, you it's just like arguing with create you know with religious creationists or something you hear the same arguments over they're and over. they're not
0: arguing in good faith that's and, always so frustrating
2: yeah it's more just like a spectacle sport i think even for them like i i, I probably know people who are 9-11 truthers but i don't is. know anyone that i uh, have had that discussion with in like the last 10 years but like if they really believed it it, they seem to have like way too much fun with it. Yeah. Then it's like if you if you thought like oh yeah the things are really actually scary and nefarious like that.
0: No, I distinctly remember my sister at one point hearing some moon hoax arguments and deciding oh I'm gonna be a moon hoaxer now too because this hmm. is this is funny. Hmm. Like sh- she like just decided to say that she didn't believe the moon landing was real as a quirky part of her identity now that she could like argue with people about. <laughs> yeah. But like not because she thought that any of the evidence was compelling, but more just because it like seemed like. Oh, I, I could be a wacky, eccentric moon person, and that's that's appealing to me.
1: <laughs> I read a great article how it's a lot more about the community and the identity than about the mm. belief itself. Well, I mean, I mean, the belief is a starting off
0: point, but people can say the same thing about us and like AI. <laughs> uh, suppose,
2: but the difference—we're all perfectly
1: sane.
0: So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, um, do we have more to say about that one?
1: Uh, no, he just ended it with saying with the right kind of wrong reasoning, a handful of support or even a single argument can stand off an army of contradictions. And thus the name of the post. Yeah. All right. So for next time, we will be talking about hi- hindsight bias and hindsight devalues science, oh. which is the names of the two posts.
0: I wonder if that was the thing I was talking about earlier about pre-registering your hypotheses.
1: No, this, is, this is
0: something different. I've read these before, but it's, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm enjoying this, like, you know, doing the sequences, uh, cause I have not read these in years and yeah. some of these, I just kind of like was trying to get through. I had, um, rationality AI to zombies and I was kind of just blowing through them. So actually taking the time to look at each one and being like, oh, I see how these connect to these other ones now, or, oh, I, now I have all this new context where it's been brought up in these like newer Slate Star Codex articles about this thing. And yeah, that's been cool. Awesome.
2: I remember when we had Eliezer on the podcast Back in the wee old days of the show, yeah, and, episode six, I think, yeah, and he liked the the new format of Rationality from Age of Zombies because it's like more cohesive and and he's like, yeah, the other you know last kind of turned into this big spaghetti mess of a wiki, and you're like, yeah, but I loved that part of it, yeah, and it is kind of fun. Um, it's a different experience. It mm-hmm. is, but it's nice to have uh, you know one of like, yep, I can find this here because I know it's in this section. and Another one where it's just like I'm gonna kind of just like go through these as they were in the train of thought that they were released, and that has its own or sort of fun. Or click around. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I
0: did a lot of like i'd start off wanting to read one and then there's a bunch of links like in the text to other posts and then i'd click those and then i'd click those and the next like you know i, I always like right click and open things in new tabs so i can keep track of my history
2: that's exactly what i did and then you just get like four or five deep and you're like
0: now i can finish the one i started yeah, exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or sometimes you never finish it right but that's also kind of fun because uh i don't know I also enjoy Wikipedia for that reason, where you can kind of just get lost down this rabbit hole of that thing's cool. Look at that shiny thing. Wait, what about this? I
1: think I lost on four separate occasions an entire day to TV tropes.
0: (laughs) I don't blame you, man. I used to have the hardest time when I was trying to write fiction. If I'd end up on TV tropes or Wikipedia, Mm. like doing some research or trying to look out, it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. What was I doing? I was trying to be productive. (laughs) Whoops even the thesaurus i get lost in the thesaurus i'm the worst, the worst. This word? <laughs> yeah right but you know you're you're filling your brain
1: with things which can later be stewed and turned into creative output so
0: yeah one thing i do have to say is uh i really i mean strongly like it's weird i feel like this contradicts things i've said before about like i guess education or whatever but the the weird like random skills that i've learned throughout my life have always come back and been useful or like random trivia knowledge really often comes back so enjoy learning
3: <laughs> yeah, but,
2: yeah. I mean, if learning random stuff is fun for you then it's a win-win so at the very least you've just learned something and that's just fun so
0: at the end of the day at least you can look back and say
2: at least i had fun <laughs> yeah.
0: all right um i wanted to talk about malcolm gladwell's new book talking to strangers heck yes let's do this sounds like a lot of fun i was trying to think of a segue between coronavirus and talking to strangers and i just couldn't like as people probably know malcolm gladwell's a popular non-fiction writer who um I, he does pretty good work uh it tends not to be like i don't know sometimes it's a bit more surface level than you might want if you're somebody in this community but i really enjoyed uh talking to strangers it was not what i expected so
2: i think there's nothing wrong with the equivalent of like popular science books
0: yeah no you know? i mean uh what i find frustrating about them is often like hey here's a book about a subject that i care about um say it's genetic engineering and it's made for like a lay person crowd and then i'll get excited about it but i'll start reading it and it'll do this like thing that feels like it's talking down to the audience the whole time where it's like you won't believe this Mm -hmm. and like you're not going to believe what i'm about to say but trust me when you get to chapter three and i'm like no i know i know i know i know (laughs) i'm flipping like get to the good shit i am gonna believe you it's fine after about six chapters sometimes i'll just put a book down where it's like i'm clearly not gonna learn anything from this book yeah. <laughs> but like uh, as
2: long as i'm derailing you there the good way to do that is more like how richard dawkins wrote the greatest show on earth which which really was my first like hmm. uh, decent dive into evolution hmm. um and it wasn't so much more like trust me this you know you're gonna believe this it's gonna be crazy it's more just like no we're gonna you take won't this. believe what happens on page 13
0: <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> it's it, like clickbait for your own book it, it
2: it just takes it in a really like nice order that will walk anybody from any perspective as long as they can read and understanding the basics of evolution yeah and it, it does it uh you know and i thought a fun way i haven't read the book in like 10 years but
0: definitely uh, writing style has a lot to do with it where like I did know a lot of the stuff about evolution already when I was reading Dawkins' books, but his writing style was so enjoyable that I was enjoying reading stuff I already knew because it was kind of poetic.
2: He's clearly having fun, and I was going to say poetic, too. He's big into poetry. He cites a lot of, or uses lots of verses and stuff, but...
0: He helps you look at things that you already know from different angles, which is really useful as well.
2: Another big shout out for my favorite book of his, Unweaving the Rainbow, which is all Mm. about the poetry of science.
0: You like
1: reconsuming things, right?
2: Yes. I'm currently doing a podcast on a book that I've read five huh? times. <laughs> right. Okay.
1: <laughs> so uh, how would you feel about maybe someday in the medium future rereading this book and then doing a episode based on conspiracy episode on it?
2: I can just reread it and tell you guys if I think it's worth talking about. Um, or it sounds it's, like it's worth talking about. I mean, if anyone knows evolution, it's like you're not going to get much from it. I, maybe you will. I'll, yeah. Maybe I'll read it. Mean,
1: it sounds like you already knew evolution and you got a lot from it. I knew less than I did
2: before I started it. Okay. Uh, I was like 18 and public school in the U.S., even in a blue state or blue city, especially like Fort Collins. I mean, we wasn't very heavily taught.
1: Well, we can Um, maybe put on a, a, what do you call them, surveys on our Patreon. Sure. Have people vote.
2: Or, I mean, at the very least, I'll I'll read -read it for fun. It's been a while. All right. As long as I'm talking about the book. I got Richard Dawkins to sign that book when I met him at a a conference once. So that was fun. I think I got him to sign a book both times I met him. One time was Unweaving the Rainbow. And then one time it was this one because it was a hard hardback cover um maybe actually he didn't un- no I don't think he signed on Moving the Rainbow because I gave that to somebody who never got it back and I would have chased that down if I uh if I really wanted it so anyway anyway yeah. anyway our docs was cool in real life that's what you get to call him if you know him really well <laughs>
1: nice does he know what you get to call him that
2: no okay I'm sure he'd hate it <laughs> <laughs> I had a chemistry teacher in high school who he called Charles Law uh Chuck's Law he's like yeah when you're friends you call him Chuck <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Malcolm Gladwell. Sorry, Popular Science. I I got... See? Rabbit holes. Yeah. It's less fun when you're listening to them than when you're reading them, because you don't get to go back. You don't know when it's over.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So actually, that kind of segues into... The first thing I want to say about this book is that it is written in a way that is kind of unconventional in a way that I enjoyed. Um, It starts out with the story of Sandra Bland, who I believe um, that was a popular popular that was a i don't know it was in the media it was this case of a woman who was pulled over for failing to signal at a turn and it ended up with her being arrested and then committing suicide in jail oh i remember hearing about this that was just like three four years ago right yeah during you know um the height of the black lives matter and a lot of attention being paid to police uh violence particularly racially so what was her name again sandra blend and what this book does, but it doesn't tell you this is what it's going to do, which I enjoyed, (laughs) uh, is describes, here's what happened in, in this case. And then it goes on. The next chapter is about a different story, but let me take you back to Bolivia and then the next chapter is, but then there's this one thing and it slowly starts to, like, at first I was a bit like, okay, where's this going? I mean, these were like a bunch of cool, interesting stories from a psychological perspective, but, um, it tells you these disparate stories about, things that like, you're like, I'm not sure how this is connecting exactly, but each of them illustrates a different, um, point that Gladwell wants to make about why we are bad at talking to strangers. Mm. So the, the book is about, um, basically like cognitive bias sort of, but it's, it's more about, uh, there's this particular bias of like, it's, I'm trying to think of it's mind reading fallacy or typical minding, or maybe it's a few of them together, but People think that they understand strangers. That they think that there's... People have much more confidence in their ability to understand other people's motives or to be able to read things about people than, like, actually plays out. And this book brings up a bunch of things that I hadn't heard about before, which was cool, because uh, kind of talking about the thing that I was, you know, complaining about earlier, where a lot of science books for the layperson spends a million words talking about something that, like, I feel like I learned in middle school. (laughs) Um, Whereas this was a new take on social... Why socialization is hard. Um, Can you tell us
1: one of the major themes from the first few chapters?
0: Yeah, so one of the major themes that kept coming back up was default to truth. And he brought this up when he was talking about... uh, It was the, the person that investigated, uh, Madoff and, uh, the, the Ponzi scheme. So there was this like incredibly paranoid person and they talked about like his entire life about how this person became this incredibly paranoid person and his bizarre habits about like just not trusting anybody, always expecting everybody was going to try to screw him over. And that was like, he had seen, um, through Madoff like way early, but he couldn't get anyone to listen to him. (laughs) when actually like a lot of the stuff was really obvious like if if anybody had actually paid attention to the fact that like nobody knows where this money is coming from (laughs) but it was just uh the fact that nobody was suspicious like nobody else is suspicious about this guy oh he's walking around like talking about like the way he makes money just totally openly he doesn't look like he's lying like Surely the government or the police or like you know so one of the investigative investigative bureaus would know if something was wrong here. Where, Just the social
2: proof of like, well, people seem to not distrust yeah. this guy. So,
0: like, but like, <laughs> this guy couldn't get anyone to pay attention to him. So, what is the default truth thing? And uh, he talks about a bunch of psychological studies where they've shown that we're really bad at like, but the majority of people are really bad at telling who is lying. Mm. So they did this one study where you would have, um, students from a college come in and take a test and then, like, if you got a certain number of answers right, then I think it would give you credit or something. Like, there, there was some reward for it. And, uh, they paired you up with another random student and you're supposed to work together. And then, uh, at one point the test giver gets a phone call and has to leave the room. The second, uh, student is a plant. So the second student turns to the first one and says... I think the answer sheet is over there on the desk. We could just look at it. Like, come on, like, I need these college credit or this money or whatever. I forget what the reward was. And like, so they try to convince the other person to go look at the test. And then whether or not they do, there's an interview afterwards where they ask a few, you know, benign questions about how hard do you think the test was? How well do you think you did? How well did you get along with your partner? And then did you cheat?
3: Hmm.
0: And then they uh, showed the videos of the interviewers of the, of the people being interviewed, and when they started asking the more like potent, like uncomfortable questions, like "Did any cheating go on while I was gone?" "Are you sure?" "If if I asked your partner if any cheating happened, what do you think they would say?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they would show people the, these interviews and then say, "Do you think this person's lying or not?" And people are really bad at telling whether someone's lying or not. Hmm. And, uh, because we have this idea of what a lying person looks like that is not correct. So lying people get shifty, right? They get really anxious. They, you know, they don't make eye contact, but they brought up the point that, like, there was this one person who absolutely was telling the truth. So what happened was, uh, her, the plant was like, come on, let's look at the answers. And she was like, no, 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 that's not me. No, I like got incredibly anxious about it. And then when being interviewed... Got so anxious about it. She was like shifting, apparently like, I don't know, just like twitching. She, she went on this long rambling, like, no, I didn't cheat. Mm. I would never, that's not me. I just, actually, my partner tried to get me to cheat. I didn't want to say this, but they were, they were really trying to get me to do it. And I just, I just kept saying no. And Mm. (laughs) just the most defensive, like awkward looking, she was, she hadn't cheated. She was just a nervous person. (laughs) Whereas there were other people who uh, looked so trustworthy but they were just very good at lying. Mm. <laughs> but, like, it's just the, it's this funny thing where people think that they can... They, there's kind of roles, or there, there's stereotypes about what, like, different kinds of people look like. Bernie Madoff didn't look like a liar.
1: It's one of the reasons that they uh, don't allow um, lie detector tests in court, because all they measure is how stressed you are, mm. which has no correlation to whether you're lying or not for most people. It
2: has weak, cor- so weak of correlation. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I think famously, I'm not... I haven't had the chance to test this yet i would love to i am told uh from Penn and teller's bullshit tv series that they did for those oh few the clenching like your butthole thing clenching your <laughs> yeah, butthole yeah. or doing kegels while answering <laughs> correct while answering truthfully yeah and then not doing that while lying yeah you give you give spikes of physical stress whilst uh clenching mm-hmm. um i've also been in a situation where i've been accused of doing something that i was innocent to but my protestations weren't believed because i, <laughs> I like uh you know i i protested too much or something never anything serious but me thinks like, the
0: lady doth protest too much exactly <laughs> uh, at
2: some point in high school or right after high school someone made like a facebook page for my brother's dog and was posting things that like really only the dog might know <laughs> and so people thought it was me i happen to know who it was but i knew it wasn't me and so who maybe that it? maybe that's like anyway another friend okay um but it's like you know man will we stop doing this is you know and i'm like it's really not me it's like i don't fucking believe you it's like Cause I, maybe cause I kept smiling or something. Cause I, I knew, you know, I, I don't know if they ever asked, do you know who it, know who, who did it? Cause I might've said yes. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I also do this thing. That's speaking of, well, tangentially related, I annoyingly to myself over excuse everything. Um, and I'm, I'm really just trying to practice now the art of like just shutting the fuck up all the time <laughs> where it's like, don't say stuff. So like unless it's funny like there was a <laughs> I, I was like an, like an hour late for work a couple months ago because the train was delayed and they ended up like or like stopped the whole south line oh right so they bust everybody and the bus driver didn't know where we were going so that took us like 30 minutes to get a mile and a half
0: i think i've done and the then, same thing you're talking about like your boss is like why are you late and you give them a 30 minute explanation <laughs> well, <laughs> making you even later yeah and, and with, <laughs> you're like no i swear to god this is real so let me tell you every detail <laughs> and
2: with, with this one i took pictures because it was funny not, not because no one cares if i was late if i just showed up an hour late and be like sorry they'd be fine with it um, but this one was like, there are like 250 people at this platform and like, we're on the train packed in like sardine cans and it fit like half people trying to wait for a train. Um, so I mean, that was more funny, but I do that, you know, if like, Hey, Hey, Zuber, why'd you do this, uh, approach, you know, for this thing at work? I'm like, rather than say, I thought it would work best. I would be like, well, really, it was this. And I thought that because this, and this, and, and it's like, no, nah, man, just like,
1: just, it all started just... when I was born. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and from there, it was just all downhill, <laughs> Mistakes ever since, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think it's, there was a valuable anecdote that I read once, uh, where somebody missed a job interview because they slept through it. It was like a phone interview. Mm. And they emailed back and they were going to like, try and explain but like, I'm really sorry, this never happens, whatever. Instead, they just wrote back and said, I'm sorry, I missed the interview. Can we reschedule? Mm. And they'd said, "Yeah, of course. Uh, I think it was an error on our end, anyway. Our scheduling thing's <laughs> been weird. No problem." Hmm. And it's like if I'd opened up with the "Sorry, I slept through the interview," which obviously signals that I don't give a shit about this job or whatever, they probably wouldn't have gotten the second the second try, right? Yeah. Um, but I think there's definitely a lesson in just like saying as little as possible, and maybe because I'm
0: or like the right amount, maybe. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, which is. is often
2: less than I think it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you can definitely say too little as well.
2: Yeah, just sit there, clammed up when they ask you, you know, why are you late, and just be like reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, my business.
0: Yeah. So there's so many other interesting stories like this that um.
2: So I, if I, unless you're gonna Malcolm Gladwell us through this, I'm curious. Uh, is this gonna come back to that woman who got pulled over? Yeah. Okay, so you, so don't rush there. Just then, I just want to make sure that wasn't left because I was compelled to how well, yeah, to tie. Yeah, I
0: also don't want to like summarize the book word for word or anything because then, then I, I recommend people read it and me summarizing it's not really going to do it justice entirely i do think i want to write a review of it like does like, so go into more detail that way but um i think it would be
1: good to at least have people get the major arguments out of it so they don't have to read it Uh, mm.
0: well the, like the thing is that um
1: like with most of most of uh the reviews like I read on Slate Star Codex I get the gist of what the book's saying afterwards and I know I can read it and I would get a lot more out of it if I did but I also know like the yeah. central thrust
0: Yeah that that was more what I try- wanted to try to write I just don't think that like trying to talk about it off the cuff I'm going to do a very good job of that but um I did want to talk about a few of the insights that I got from it that were surprising Not all of them are entirely related to like the main point of the book, but just like in particular, there was one thing that really surprised me um, where there's a chapter about alcohol Mm -hmm. and it started out with, um, they're talking about these two anthropologists, husband and wife who went to somewhere in Bolivia that was this poor farming community, um, still kind of living the way like, like with the old traditions, they didn't have a lot of technology. They hadn't like really been very connected to the modern world. And they had this social ritual where they would have these big parties on the weekends. Every weekend, somebody would uh, throw a huge party. They'd slaughter a cow and throw the hide in front of their house. So people know that's where the party is Mm. (laughs) and have a big barbecue. And they had this uh, sort of ritual around toasting where like the head of the community would toast the guests so say like the anthropologist and his wife and then they would have to toast their hosts and the wife has to toast the husband the husband has to toast the wife then you have to everybody goes around and you take shots of this uh, traditional liquor that they had and this liquor tastes terrible apparently even the bolivians hate it <laughs> but i guess it was the alcohol they had and uh this husband and wife they came back uh to the us and they were talking about their experiences and the wife was like hey doesn't it seem funny that i think we were drunk every single weekend (laughs) like huh yeah like it it, there was a few strange things that they noticed so they brought some of this traditional liquor back to a lab and had it analyzed and found out that it was 180 proof holy crap (laughs) so that's laboratory alcohol um the the guy said that uh his friends didn't believe he'd actually drank this stuff so in order to prove it he like sat there with a doctor (laughs) and took shots of this stuff and then uh seemed fine, was holding a conversation, like, as though everything were normal, uh, declined to ride home because it was nice and he wanted to walk home, so they followed him, I think in an ambulance back to his house, and he's just walking down the street, and his wife sees him coming with an ambulance behind him, Is like, Mm. what, what's going on? (laughs) And at that point, apparently, he was like, uh, I'm drunk, and then just passed out on the floor, just dead, and then, like, like, dead passed out, I mean, and just stayed passed out for, like, 16 hours, (laughs) and then didn't remember any of it. And uh, then they talk about alcohol and what we think alcohol does and what it actually does. And this was really cool because I'd never heard this and it makes perfect sense for me. Um, Alcohol is traditionally thought of or conventionally thought of as this agent of disinhibition. That's what I've always heard. Yeah, everyone said alcohol lowers your inhibitions. But actually um, Gladwell argues that it is more useful to think about it as an agent of myopia because what it actually does um, neurologically is narrows your, like, mind's eye. Your ability to focus on the present and the past, other things that are going on in the background of your brain, um, attunes you to the moment and the context that you're in. Hmm. So, this is why some people can drink and alcohol makes them happy. Yeah. Because these are the kinds of people that tend to drink at parties. Or, like, you know, when hanging out with friends in a context for relaxing and partying... And then some other people can drink, and it makes them more depressed because they're probably drinking alone at a bar, maybe staring at some stains on the floor, thinking about <laughs> their marriage going badly and the taxes that are due, and that's all you're focusing on. You can't even think about good things anymore because you're just so sucked into this moment of despair. And this makes a lot of sense for me because I've experienced this thing with alcohol too, where like I'm always want- I'm like, does alcohol make me happy or not? So what does it,
1: what does it mean when like? Because when I was going through my, uh, well, just after my first divorce, I drank famously, I guess now, uh, for (laughs) many years. But I did it because, like, I did feel happy when I was drunk, Mm -hmm. uh, even though I was going through, like, this horrible thing.
0: Uh, Probably because you were, I mean, uh, I also drank to deal with anxiety, social anxiety in particular. Uh, There was a while where I, like, couldn't go to social events without being drunk because Mm -hmm. I thought it was because it's like, oh, disinhibition, but I... I guess it's just You stop
1: thinking about um, how bad consequences yeah, of what you Yeah, Exactly.
0: You're say. Like I'm not thinking about all the ways this can go wrong. I'm looking at the people around me and being like, Hey, this is this is good. This is yeah. a party. There's music. People are having fun. <laughs> I and mean, probably you're doing the same thing where you're drinking in context that let you focus on other things. Huh. Um and yeah, so
2: I'm trying to think. I I at some point I, I didn't I think I had my first alcoholic drink when I was like 17 Then didn't touch it again for like two or three or probably until I was 21 because I'm a I was well <laughs> am a, uh, a complete square it, huh? um, <laughs> my I I had a rule especially at a point where I was stressed I would drink to alleviate stress for there was a few months where I was doing that not every day but mm, do a couple shots a night or something a few nights a week or some you know whatever but I, I had at one point where I was like, man, I'm really bummed. I should go get drunk. I'm like, no wait, I should never do that. <laughs> and I don't think I have. I've I've done it where like I'm tired and stressed and, you know, that puts you in a bad mood or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of just already set up a rule for myself where I don't drink to make myself like not sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to not drink that much anyway, but like my my experience with alcohol then is almost entirely positive where, you know, you're you're drinking yeah. at a place where you're already having a good time.
0: Well, that was exactly the point that he was trying to make about this Bolivian tribe, where uh, when you look at their culture more deeply, um, these were apparently uh, 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 primarily farmers, and uh, like, itinerant farmers are migratory, I forget what the term is, but they didn't really have much of a community, because so many of the, like, in scare quotes, community, um, a lot of the people that live in this uh, village, I guess, were gone a lot of the time. They didn't actually get to have these like kinds of social gatherings, uh, as much interaction with each other. So they compensated by doing this ritual on the weekends when everybody would come home and they intentionally would, they would drink in this context. And it was this like, you know, (laughs) ridiculously high proof alcohol. But the thing that like the anthropologists were confused about was the fact that they didn't have pathological drinking in this culture. You would think that somewhere where people are drunk every week and having these kinds of parties, drinking laboratory alcohol, like there would be violent fist fights and like all kinds of you know really bad social consequences, but there weren't, and that was what really confused them. And it's because they only ever drank in this specific context of we are a community, <laughs> we are yeah. gathering to celebrate, like, to like togetherness, and we're we're toasting the people that are important in our lives right now, like showing hospitality. Um, and that's kind of interesting
1: it's really common in europe from what my parents tell me
0: yeah I, y- you can think of other examples too like cultures where they have these kinds of like i i, I maybe it's a cultural evolution sort of thing where it was you,
1: probably a survival mechanism yeah. yeah i hear most cultures when they first discover alcohol do absolutely nothing for about a century <laughs> <laughs> until the culture evolves enough
0: yeah. well i don't know i mean i think that uh again, this might just be a thing that I've been told a bunch of times by authority figures and haven't questioned, but I think that a lot of times it was people used alcohol in order to avoid like contaminated drinking water for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I'd heard that like was it medieval Europe where people were mostly drinking diluted beer all the time instead of water, even children <laughs> like the elderly because that it was the safe drinking water, basically. Yeah. But everybody was a little bit buzzed all the time.
2: <laughs> as long as we're looking at uh, urban legends about the history of the world is it is it actually true that the propagation
0: of coffee coincided with the enlightenment
1: I'd also I heard so. that I don't know it's
0: possible right, I'll look it's up. another thing that might be worth looking up but that makes sense to me because coffee is actually anotropic. Well, well I mean, that's,
2: my, that's my thing is like, so, you know, you, you sub out beer for coffee and suddenly you've got a class of people that are just feeling way more productive and intelligent all the time rather than just kind of sluggish really and lazy. You're, <laughs> You're yeah. Staying
1: up late. And You're a lot more sober. And uh, importantly, to prepare coffee, you have to boil water, which is also a way to uh, make the water drinkable. Hmm. I
0: don't know. Uh,
2: well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could cold brew, but like, I don't know how people they did didn't. it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Anyway. My coffee's my go-to if I want to be productive, usually. Uh, that's like the dumbest thing to say. Sorry, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really tired. I think this is, we're recording on Sunday the 7th? Yes, 8th. 8th. So the daylight savings was last night. Fucking daylight savings. I think my cat didn't know what time it was either. She came in and woke us up a few times, which is cute and lovely, but ah. then she doesn't even really want pets. She just wants us to wake, up, wants to wake us up. She has food and
1: everything. She just wants to say hi. So I hate daylight savings so much. If I had a time machine. Second thing I would do is go back in time and kill Hitler. First thing would be go back and kill Ben Franklin when he proposed this, or just before he proposed the oh, Daylight Oh, don't kill savings. Ben Franklin. I, You know, motherfucker has Still a comment. to do that. What if, what if you just slap the he idea? He was a sensible guy. You could life.
0: explain to him, I'm from the future. Here's what happens as a result of this. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah
2: like. By the way, can you clarify the Second Amendment before you, put, before you write that <laughs> oh, shit down? Yeah.
0: <laughs> a few other things. <laughs>
2: I'm just saying like settle that like because that's to me like the dumbest constitutional argument It's like well they said this and it's like yeah they didn't know what germs were they didn't know about they didn't know you know what kind of guns we'd have like let's let's be real but yes obviously there's a lot of other failures in there too that we could have pointed out but the gun one might have been the easiest sell uh you know saying hey can you put a slave thing in there they're like well no that's actually people wouldn't sign it if we had a slave
1: thing in there Um, wasn't the whole point of the gun thing though because they were uh being they were they were currently revolutionaries yeah yeah they were (laughs) occupied by the british yeah well, so they would want people in the modern day to have the weapons they need to fight off the British as well, right?
2: I think you might be able to explain what a bad idea that is and how it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I mean, you got to think too, what's the Third Amendment? Can you name it right
1: off? Uh, no, you, is that freedom of the press?
2: You don't have to house uh, soldiers.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah, so like that yeah, was also yeah. a big
2: problem for them back then. But like, that's not like, yeah. no one today is like, thank God for the Third Amendment, mm. right?
0: I mean, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of the Bible where, especially if you look at the first group of uh what was it commandments yeah that like moses brought down and then got angry when people were worshiping the golden calf and threw them <laughs> and seven out of eight of them were about how to worship god right right well like Some a bunch of them are weird specific things that only made sense in the context of bronze age like yeah N- middle east
2: <laughs> no fucking sculptures
1: no
0: fucking sculptures
2: when they're when they're worshiping the bronze calf i think they're also fucking it wait what, what? <laughs> you're, you're more of a bible scholar than i am am i mistaken i,
0: I have not heard this i wouldn't but... be surprised a lot of the bible talks about people doing sex in bad ways and why they're bad
1: <laughs> let's see uh how many of these are about how do you whoops how to worship god first one second one third one not fourth fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth okay so only the first three are about how to worship god right are
0: those the the first or second draft of the Commandments? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the first draft was like thirty Commandments or something too. Yeah,
1: I mean, no one knows what the first draft was, right?
0: Good no, point. they had it like, uh, wait, maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I'm pretty sure. Because he they... came down off the mountain, saw them
1: worshiping the calf, and smashed them. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they were the same Commandments. He just had to no, go I'm, up there and chisel them out. There, again. There's
0: there was a second group of Commandments at one point. I forget if those were the ones he broke or, but like definitely there's. 30 laws that God wrote that are actually written down in the Bible that like nobody ever focuses on. Yeah. Anyway.
2: So, so how does the motif of our, um, the layers of biases that keep us from understanding strangers properly, how does that tie into that case with that woman being pulled over a few years ago? Um, or does that spoil the book?
0: It, well, it does a little bit, but, uh, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time with spoilers where I don't really tend to care about them that much. I, this is also nonfiction. So yeah. I said, well, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that this will spoil anything. So there were a bunch of things going on uh, in this particular case that Gladwell explains with, like, side stories or explains the history behind and uh, coins terms for new cognitive biases, and that was what I found really fun, like, the default to truth. Um, Wait, so what is the default to truth? That was uh, the people being bad. Oh, right, I never even finished that one. So, like, back to the Bernie Madoff guy that guy's an outlier um as a cooperative species that the theory anyway is that the reason that we tend to we tend to believe people that was it um okay. when they, they've they done a bunch of these psychological studies and keep finding uh in historical examples that people are more trusting than they actually should be huh when uh which, which is not like you know the the general where are these
1: studies done because I know a lot of Eastern European countries have very low trusting of other people.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's probably also um, cultural and whatever. But, like, it's more about, um, they talked about, like, court cases, for example. Or, like, if someone tells you something, uh, you tend to believe them. God, I wish I hadn't believed my surgeon. (laughs) You defaulted to truth there. I did. Well, like, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting, because something I've noticed about rationalist culture is that we're also a really high-trust culture as well. Mm-hmm. But Because um, we all cooperate in prisoner's dilemmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the thing
2: is, in your particular case, I don't think your doctor was defecting in a prisoner's dilemma here. I think that either they had misread it before they walked back into the room to give you the number. Oh, uh, I'm
1: sure he knew he was lying. I why just would think, he lie? Well, I think because this is my assumption, too, having now... Had to interact with people that are. Um, a lot of times, a doctor or someone will know what is for someone's greater good. Like when you have a kid and they don't want to get a shot or whatever, you tell the kid, "Oh, don't worry. It, it'll only hurt a tiny bit. It, it'll be fine." Oh, I and hate it when turns they say out, it's going to be a little pinch. Yeah, yeah. And little, it, it turns out, pinch. you know, sometimes the kid really gets hurt pretty bad, but. It is for their benefit. It is you lie to the kid in order to get them to do the thing that is better for them and that if they were as smart and uh, knowledgeable as you, they would want to do as well. Uh, and so I think he saw the stuff and was like, yeah, this guy obviously is going to be a lot better off after he has the surgery. But if I actually tell him what the recovery is going to be like, he might not go through with it. So, you know, I'll just lie to push him to go towards the right direction uh, Is the way I see it. My parents are just like, yeah, he's just a, you know, money grubbing scum sucker. Just wanted to get you under the knife to collect his paycheck. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, you come from Eastern Europe, so <laughs> I, I find their hypothesis I mean, more likely
2: than the fact that he was really? thinking that I should lie to my patients to get them for to for the go greater good. For the greater good, because see, that's where I go with. because well, I don't want to. Because you're not you're not some stupid kid, and yeah. like with like in the in the event of a vaccine hurting more than you thought it would, you know, if it bruises your arm for a couple of days or something, as opposed to being a light pinch for a second. Well, not even like, that. You like st- sometimes you st- kids need surgery or sure, but yeah. like in it to run with that easy example, like you still get all the benefit, hmm. right? If he lies to you, but your recovery time, and you subsequently injure yourself, then that's, he's then he's just hurting his patients. That's the problem. Yeah, right. So, so like that 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 is so obvious that I can't believe that that wouldn't have occurred to him if he's been doing this for a long time. And mm-hmm. like when you're when you're lying to a kid to get a vaccine, you might have to bend the truth or whatever to get them to do the thing that's actually for the greater good. Whereas if you're an adult, you can make a fully informed decision whether you know like that's up to you and if he said if he had said the recovery time was going to be a year you would have said yes yeah i know like
1: so i i completely agree with you it's just that i now have um met a number of people who are like yeah people are children you you can't always trust people as rational uh actors and that has been my experience experience as well to some degree so (laughs) i am i am more treating people now like they are irresponsible children than i used to and so that is why I see where the doctor is coming from.
2: I got, I'm, I'm, my, my top hypothesis on this is what is, uh, there's a, there's a word for it. Never attribute to malice that which is explained by stupidity and or competence. which can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I also, so like he might've just been hung over that morning when he was telling you, yeah, a couple weeks, you'll be fine. You know? uh, like, I mean, that, that strikes me likely more likely than him. Like, yes, I've got this elaborate lie. I spend to all my patients. I've been, do- I've been practicing for 25 years. He probably just tells all patients the same thing. Yeah. Two weeks. You'll be fine. Right, and no one's it's gotten mad, mad at him mind.
1: yet. Uh, I don't know. The problem is, what am I gonna do? Like, I'm considering a malpractice suit, but it's just his word against mine. There's nothing in writing. And is it even malpractice to lie about the
0: recovery time?
2: Uh, well, that's up. That's up to a lawyer. I would I say so. yes. Yeah. Um, especially if if like, you're
0: doing it regularly. If like, if he actually, you know, if you have proof that he intentionally lied to you. Well, in I order don't. To try to, yeah. Well, just, if you could I talk to other only knowing patients knowing that of his, he's,
1: he's been a surgeon for a long time, and he knows what recovery times are actually like. Especially because you know, when I went in after six weeks and told him, like, yeah, it's been three times longer than it should be, I'm still not great, and he was like, oh yeah, it usually takes
0: twelve weeks, sometimes six months. I was like, you motherfucker. Maybe he. You goddamn piece of shit. I mean, I again, I wasn't there for the conversation. Is it possible that like, what he meant was that like. It, the actual wound will heal in that amount of time, but like the amount of time that the pain will go away will be much longer. That's or possible. That the full effects just are come going to two weeks,
2: know. but you'll be, you'll be delicate for six months, could be. I, at, at the very least, and that's. I mean, I've never. why I wish I would have gotten it in writing. I've never had some very serious surgery, but I've had minor surgeries. And didn't they always said, i with a packet.
1: Like, he literally told me, yeah, I got a packet, and the packet said almost nothing in it. it certainly didn't mm. have any time frames or anything. Oh, it says, all that? It uh, says, listen to what your doctor told you in it so that's useful that's but no he like i asked him I, I like to work out it keeps me like mentally healthy as well as physically healthy It's important to me when can i start lifting weights again he was like you could probably start you know lifting some lighter weights around week two or three which is when the pa went in uh to take my stitches out three weeks later he was like are you fucking kidding me huh. you're are you you're lifting weights you shouldn't lift anything over 10 pounds under any circumstances. That is a lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's a gallon of milk.
2: Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's disappointing. Less than a gallon, more than a gallon of milk. But. No, but gallon milk is surprisingly heavy. Yeah. Um, and some people are like, I can't lift anything over five pounds. It's like, I watched you lift that jug. You're, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I'm
0: sorry, we are way off track. We
2: are, but keep us surprised of that, because if you feel like it, it's your personal medical shit. But yeah.
0: um, It was related to default to truth.
1: It's true.
2: That's um, right. I, I am a, like, as long as we're anecdotally giving examples, I think I mentioned this before, I am stupidly gullible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I think, less so now, but, like, in the, in this, I think, is maybe another just truth of how our brains are wired. For me, in the context of understanding a sentence, like, just to parse it correctly in my brain, for the time it takes me to do that, I believe the sentence hmm. and then I analyze it a second later. But for the time it takes me to hear it and process it, I'm, I'm just taking it in as like, this is true. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, someone could say something completely outlandish. I'm trying to think of an example. Just there's, I mean, sometimes the last couple of weeks, you know, someone would say something insane and I'd be like, wait a minute, you had me there for a second. <laughs> and they're like, they're, they were clearly making a joke and i wish yeah I could think, oh, that be, happens to me a lot too this would I, be better if i could think I, of an think example
0: just bad I, i'm just bad at like telling when people are joking
1: <laughs> It was kind of depressing when i was with melissa she was always the kind of person that like everyone's lying to you everyone's trying to screw you it's like no everything's fine people are good even if that's and
0: true i think i'd rather believe that it's not because you're happier yeah and also i don't think she, it's I mean, yeah she, she <laughs> wasn't a very happy person overall but kept proving herself right and me
1: wrong i was like god damn it well, I we eventually I mean, had this saying i got to the saying where, like what went wrong i expected anything more than nothing from someone <laughs> that was my error well and and it seems like if you take that lesson to heart you end up the kind of person
2: that she is yeah there's a and, kind yeah. of uh, yeah. like I, and i, I self-fulfilling
0: I, prophecy
1: like
2: it's true. Yeah, that if, it goes if you're an asshole, that. you can tell yourself that it's okay because everyone else is an asshole too. Yeah,
1: and that's how society spirals downward. Right, into... but
2: but I I think that they're factually incorrect. Like a lot of people are genuine and cool. Yeah, like what is she going to say? Like oh yeah, Mister Rogers, he was totally raping people and you know and had a body full of or had a basement full of bodies. Well,
1: I also noticed at the time that my surgeon was wearing a gold crucifix, like underneath <laughs> his scrubs and all that, and I was like, that's kind of weird, but whatever. He's got a Eastern European name. They're very big Catholics over there, maybe. And now I'm like. Not going to trust any fucking doctor who's wearing crucifix (laughs) under their scrubs, because if you're that into Jesus, I don't know if I can trust you. How big was this thing? Average sized? I don't know. Like two and a half inches? That's that's a super common trinket. Something
3: I've learned to trust.
0: Under your scrubs, though?
2: I mean, as opposed to over your scrubs, where it's hitting patients in the face when you bend over?
0: (laughs) Something I've learned to trust is people's ability to compartmentalize. Yeah. Like you can be a very good doctor and then also be religious and because you just don't like, those are non overlapping magisteria.
1: I know. And I agree. It's
0: something that I struggle with too, where like, it just, I do work with some, you know, I work in cancer research and there's people that know about like way more than I do about like the mechanisms of tiny cells and how you treat very complicated cancer. And then also like believe in supernatural shit when they go home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I kind of reminded myself of that quote from Vonnegut where he says, I think it was Vonnegut, if you don't want people to be racist, don't send them as children to areas where people of a different race are trying to kill them, huh. <laughs> which yeah, it was his commentary on war. But, um, you know, you have one bad experience and right away you latch on to something that you already had sort of a uh, a predisposition against.
2: But so you're acknowledging that, that cognitive failure and then, I you're, am... and then you're saying right up, I'm not going to work with a surgeon with a crucifix <laughs> again. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I'm I'm leaning into it, but. Hopefully, I will find countervailing evidence that will bring my, my risk assessments back down to where they should be. I hope so, too. I mean, I <laughs> I, I would... I will update myself incrementally. Very well. <laughs> there's something
0: to be said, at least for being self-aware about when you know you're being irrational. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to Sandra Blind. Um, There's a section talking about suicide in this book where what did they call it? I'm trying to remember the, the phrases that he coined or the, yeah, the idea about suicide being, uh, coupled. That was it. I I think, I don't think he actually coined that. I think this is a psychological term, but coupling is where certain behaviors or, uh, yeah, certain behaviors are coupled to certain environments, Mm. certain contexts. Uh, they talk about a bunch of other cases in which behaviors are coupled. Um, and suicide is coupled. And it is really difficult for people to wrap their heads around it, though, because especially, unfortunately, like, social workers uh, and, like, mental health uh, people that are in the mental health profession as caretakers get to know these people, and they don't want to think of this person as... Well, nobody wants to think about a person as an automaton, I guess. Yeah. But um, So what is suicide coupled to? Well, the... The history that um gladwell first brought up was town gas where there was a like the type of gas that they used to use in it was britain in particular england yeah yeah, um was it had a high propensity for creating carbon monoxide and what (laughs) the the like unfortunate you know side effect of this was that everybody had a gas-powered oven and they also had these uh cars that were made with uh that also produced a lot of carbon monoxide so there's a point where every middle class family has a very convenient cheap easy way to um, commit suicide mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the thing that they don't think you know sorry you're gonna say something. No, no, no,
1: it's uh, it's a tangent go ahead
0: okay so the thing that like people don't think about is well there's a lot it's, <laughs> it's complicated people are complicated uh women in particular they pointed out often don't want to leave a mess because they don't want to inconvenience others. Mm-hmm. So you don't shoot yourself or do anything that's going to, you know, you don't burn the house down. Um,
2: they also don't want to, like... You don't want to disfigure bodies. your body yeah. either.
0: You want to... A lot of people are like, well, you know, I want if I If I'm going to die, I want it to be painless as possible. Like, as non-scary as possible. Especially if you're already traumatized. I mean, like, it takes a lot of... Uh, so they were talking about, like, this, this uh, poet who apparently struggled with suicidal ideation her whole life and then finally killed herself with carbon monoxide but talking about like praising i think it was hemingway for having the courage to shoot himself Hmm. being like it's like i don't have that kind of bravery (laughs) (laughs) admiringly yeah but it's like yeah so uh, they're talking about bridges too where i forget which bridge but they built a bridge and there were people committing suicide jumping off of it and they tried to propose that they build a safety net and people were really opposed to it even though like they had spent way more money doing like other kinds of safety precautions for people accidentally hurting themselves around this bridge. But when it came to here's like, we're going to put a suicide net. What do you think people voted against it? And they were replying people who want to kill themselves are going to find a way to do it because they're just so distressed. Like it doesn't matter you know, they don't like the idea that behavior is coupled or I guess the idea that what, what it turns out is that suicide is often this kind of a, it's a crime of opportunity. Yeah, crime of opportunity and then also like if you get the time to actually really think about it or like you you can be talked down like people it's not really a rational act a lot of the time Mm -hmm. even if you do have suicidal ideation your whole life like that poet like you don't really want to die you want to not feel terrible
1: i hear when they replaced the gas in uh england the suicide rates went down and just stayed down permanently yep it's not like people found some other way to kill themselves they just stopped doing it
0: yeah there, there are other ways that are harder and scarier and yeah the more you limit access to ways to kill yourself the less people kill themselves and uh so yes andrew blind committing suicide was a lot of people not recognizing a bunch of the warning signs hmm. and they talk about the kansas city policing as well which um so what were the warning signs that they missed she uh had a, a blog or a, um a video a vlog i guess, a vlog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Her personal history was she'd had a really rough time and she had been struggling with suicide, I think actually attempted it. Um, And it was in the particular context of the kind of thing that ended up happening to her, like triggering feelings of loss of control. Um, Is it
1: so I mean, I'm not trying to defend the cops because what what they did was awful. But is it also the responsibility of every police department to go through everyone's blogs and vlogs when they're brought into jail to make sure they're not going to that they aren't to have that suicidal risk.
2: If I'm arrested, I demand the offending the the persecuting officers listen to every episode of this podcast. I agree.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is why we always make them two hours, <laughs> In- including the Patreon exclusive ones. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that wasn't the super funny. That like, just us getting attacked by dogs and <laughs> 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 um, where's that dog?
2: Upstairs, being a good girl. No,
0: oh, doggy. Okay. Um,
1: so what does that have to do with talking to strangers, though? The the suicide coupling. I
2: think is that they failed to anticipate what is actually going on in this person's head
0: yeah oh. well they they both failed to understand each other's contexts um they talk about the kansas city policing where it makes perfect sense why like or not perfect sense it was actually pretty fucked up but why the cop behaved the way he did because the way they were training cops was this very specific uh algorithm of looking for any small example like any small deviance in order to pull somebody over to look for hard drugs, uh, weapons trafficking. It's like, this was the way that cops like were catching up many more of the larger criminals. But unfortunately, what it ends up doing, like the side effects when you take it outside of the context of Kansas City, is cops will react to their biases. So they're told things like, look for suspicious people, so a white cop finds a black person. <laughs> uh, you know, failing to signal a turn. Uh, he noticed that her license plate was out of state. Like, there's a bunch of things that apparently um, a cop will notice that's just a little bit weird, and it'll be an excuse to pull somebody over and to, like, scan for drugs or um, weapons. And Sandra Bland just happened to have a bunch of things that looked weird from the outside, but then if you actually knew her life story, it was like she had just moved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was, like, about to start a new job. Um, And the other thing was that... uh, they said that she reacted in a way that was, or she was mismatched, I think was the word. They were talking about uh, a couple of chapters about people who were mismatched. That was one of the major points of the book where the way people behave doesn't uh, trigger the right, like, Oh, that that's a, that's a, this kind of person or like, that's the way, that's the way that this kind of person acts. Xander looked um, belligerent and angry, but she was incredibly depressed. <laughs> but, uh, it's just that, like, culturally, we have an idea of what a depressed person looks like. And it looks like someone who looks very sad and is very submissive, not somebody who's freaking out. <laughs> um, so is
1: the main thesis of the book that we're just really bad at talking to people we don't already know?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, we're bad at knowing people. It's so... Ooh, that's depressing. Going back a bit, like, when, when I heard the title of the book, what I thought Talking to Strangers was going to be about was more of a, a how-to guide. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: does he not have any how-to advice no
0: it's uh, that's that's not what it's about it's about um the ways that we consistently fail to read others and that's cool because uh i've read a bunch of how to talk to strangers books um it's a topic that i'm interested in because social things never like came naturally to me so i've had to learn this and i'm always trying to find more advice but there's also a bunch of books like that out there there's not really a lot of books like this where this is a book saying hey your intuition is really bad actually it's um you know talking about the uh mind reading fallacy and uh the typical minding fallacy and then some others that are much more specific that i think are were useful to have learned because it's one of those books that like once you almost every chapter gives you a new kind of mental framework that you can look around and now you're just seeing it everywhere Mm. (laughs) you know what i'm talking about yeah um and there's more than i've brought up too some of them were specifically uh Things that you can, you know, point back in retrospect to the Sandra Bland case and realize what the cop did wrong and uh, how people, the way people talked about it after the fact was wrong. And
1: So, is this a book that I want to avoid because it's really depressing?
0: I think not. Um,
1: because it sounds like it's all about just how it's very hard to connect with anyone, which is kind of a... No, that's I not
0: mean, the... Uh, the, like thesis or the premise it's not about connecting being hard it's more about um people making snap judgments and especially us having these cultural ideas of what like a liar looks like for example that are wrong okay but um well
1: we're starting to run low on time but did you want to come back again in next episode and like summarize some of the ones for us so we can know better what uh what to what our biases are and what to look out for when we're talking to strangers?
0: Uh, Sure, I can do a a quicker sort of just, uh, here's this term and it means this, (laughs) if we want to do that. I just uh, kind of... I mean, if you
1: think that would be interesting.
0: Well, I definitely think it's interesting, but... uh, Because
1: it sounds like there's many chapters in this book and I'm like, it sounds almost like every chapter has like one, another cool thing that like, I guess... if we knew about it would would reveal something about society and how we're doing things incorrectly.
0: Yeah, I guess um, I more wanted to kind of just make a teaser trailer for this book because i do think that it's a worthwhile book for reading especially that might be interesting to rationalists who care about cognitive biases Mm -hmm. and psychology but um sure i could definitely do a much quicker summary of like you know just a bare bones kind of point by point
1: cool i think that sounds really
0: interesting too so if you guys would be interested in it (laughs) It other people would let's plan for that then because yeah that would be awesome
1: cool well i'll start out with a um i don't know I think maybe an easy one, an interesting one. This one came up on the Anthropic Principle episode, but it's not about the Anthropic Principle itself. So even our listeners get into rabbit holes. Uh, On the Discord, Coy said, uh, uh, Coy quoted Jess saying, even if I believe that a Christian God exists, I still wouldn't go to church. And he replied, and Coy replied with, have you heard about... Hell? <laughs> and why uh jumped on that saying, yeah, that claim sounded extremely irrational to me. I understand that God is evil, but we are talking about eternal suffering and bliss here. I would 100% make it my life's goal to convert as many people as possible. Uh, did you have any sort of comment about that?
0: Um. Well, first of all, you're assuming context of... Like, the thing is, I didn't say anything about hell. <laughs> yeah. All I was saying was if, like, a supernatural being who had the traits of the Christian God existed, I wouldn't want to worship him. And, like, by talking about how I would feel about it and what I would want to do about it, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, I guess this is something, like, yes, under, like, threat of literal torture, probably I would, like, you know, fuck up on the trolley problem or mm-hmm. <laughs> shoot my best friend, if you know. But, like, it's more, I was trying to make a point about the fact that I think that it's a terrible idea, like, I wouldn't be the kind of person that's like, man, I wish, you know, it sucks that God doesn't exist. I don't believe him, but I wish he did. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> and, uh, I see
1: my my response to Koi would be like, yes, I have heard about hell, and that's exactly why I think that God should be overthrown.
0: I mean, yeah, like, the, the thing I'd really want to do would be go kill him. Yeah. <laughs> get uh, together. You know, there's more of us than him. And, hell. I, I mean, but like, I don't know. Again, I kind of think it's a moral
1: that, duty to fight God at that point. This
0: is something that makes really fun fiction. Yeah. But also, like, still, still none of this has been defined, again, like, when you're talking about eternal suffering versus eternal bliss, what do those words mean? Are you talking about eternal wireheading? Mm-hmm. I, like, just, the, the, I don't think that eternal suffering could even be a thing that exists, because just the way that we work, uh, people get used to anything. Yeah, there but was, if God's all it, powerful, I think Bart. I think Bart but if Simpson. God's made all it,
2: powerful, I mean, like, sorry, what? Bart Simpson made that joke. Like, when you just get used <laughs> to the pain? Like, easing into a hot bath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got two quick thoughts on the like, uh, have you heard about hell? Uh, response. Like, one of them. That's always my sort of go to. Uh, well, not go to. That's one of my things when I consider the, um, the. I just had the word for it. What's that thing where you should believe because it might be might be true? Oh, Pascal's um, Pascal's wager. Thank you. Yeah, Pascal's wager. Um like going to church and saying all the right words isn't enough. Like, and it's also not just enough to like choose like, Oh yeah, well I'll just choose to vaguely believe and, you know, try and be a good Christian. It's like, no, no, no. Like you got to pick the most evil, hardcore, like devil God, right. because that's the most vindictive one who won't reward your nice thoughts and trying. You've mm. really got to go like gung, gung hope with it. It's like, it's not going to be enough to go to church and, you know, tithe 20%. You got to go like full jihad. Yeah. Um And there was a, I'll plug a movie that's from 2010 that I just saw last week called The Invention of Lying. Mm. Um, It was, the premise is somehow society is almost exactly like it is now but people can't lie. Like it just, they just don't say things that aren't true. It never occurs to them. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's, Until Ricky Gervais figures out how, right? He, he just... It, it occurs to him to ask for more money, more money out of his account than he had before. Yeah. And they're like, oh, there must be a glitch with our system. It says you only have 300 bucks. But yeah, here's the 800 you wanted. <laughs> and so he, he can he can tell anyone anything and they just believe him. So he's at the bar with his friends trying to convince them like... Because he, he doesn't have a word for lying or what he's doing. Mm. Um, so he... He's like, okay, well, I'm black. Oh, well, you, you, I guess I can kind of see it. Well, I'm, I'm an Eskimo. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I invented the bicycle. No way! Like, so it, he, so he's awesome. doing, he's doing that, and then there's this really sweet moment in the movie that actually made both me and Rachel uh, emote, which was his mom's dying, and she's like, I just don't want to, you know, lie in oblivion forever. And he's, and it's, recounting is actually emotional. He, he's holding her hand and he's telling her you won't. All your friends will be there. You'll be young again. You can dance. You know, you'll have a nice house. It's it's going to be fine. And he, because lying doesn't exist, she believes him. Oh, and she, wow. she dies very warmly and peacefully. Oh my but God. the doctors and nurses over here, and he's like, how do you know these things? <sighs> so then he's like a prophet, mm-hmm. and then he goes off, and he's trying, like, then there's, like, you know, a group of people around his house, like, of hundreds, trying to, you know, learn about this, what he knows about the afterlife, and he doesn't handle it in the the most rationalist savvy way, but he does it kind of funny. He, for some reason, invents from whole cloth that there's an invisible man in the sky who causes things to happen. And if you're nice and you don't try and screw up and you, you know, don't kill anyone on purpose, then you get to die and have a nice mansion and all the flavors of ice cream and all this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, when he's pitching the idea and explaining about the man in the sky, which just, you know, my my rationalist tearing this apart is like, you don't actually need that. They'll <laughs> believe whatever you say. You can leave the man in the sky out of it. All right. Um, but when, <laughs> This this is relevant to the Coy's reply mm-hmm. here. They're explaining, yes, he's responsible for everything that happens. Wait, so when my mom got cancer, that was his fault, and when my, you know, when I hit that dog or whatever, that was his fault. And it's like, yes, and it's like, we got to kill this bastard. <laughs> before he, we, we've got we've got to stop this bastard before he kills us all. Yeah, and someone from the crowd shouts that, and I think that's a completely reasonable response. Yeah. Um, yeah, like from 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 the ground up, it's an insane idea, mm-hmm. right? and yes yeah, so the the response is yes let's let's overthrow this terrible thing but if yeah. you can't then yeah i guess knuckle under I'm, but again that having... reality would be the worst thing ever and it was never clear to me why satan punished people right because satan hates god too yeah right i'm sure there's some vague interpretation be... of that in in theology but like is it just because he's super super evil like i, I, I don't even know where the fuck that came from
0: actually like that's not in the bible right satan wasn't even satan in the bible when he's first introduced they just he's just the other that comes and talks to god and is like oh yeah well i don't i think that who the fuck was it job job Job. yeah Yeah, like i think job would curse your name if you you know killed his family and all of his animals and covered him in boils and god thought like
2: you know bet on let's fuck this dude up
0: (laughs) yeah i I feel like i've probably complained about this before but the thing that i find the most like just or the, the most Maybe not the most disturbing part of it, but like the one that just really tweaks me the most is he kills his whole family, his wife, his kids, and then it gives him a new wife and kids, the better (laughs) wife and kids.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To me, the most most glowing part of that is that if you know everything, you know what's going to happen, and you just you don't need to do the horrible thing where you where you torture the person and say that it'll work out afterwards.
0: This was
1: this was pre New Testament where he didn't know everything
0: yet. That really (laughs) makes me wonder about like whether the people writing the Bible think that. Like, is that what they thought people care about? Like, or did people? I don't know. It's just like, here's it, it, a wife people and kids. Very like back then. Here's a generic yeah. wife and
2: kids. We'll order you a new one from Amazon Prime. it will be here in two days and your life will be just it's the like same as it was.
0: Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't... D, d, mm, that's, that seems very inhuman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that people weren't that different back in the day. Like, people formed attachments with their children and spouse, right? Or like... Also, I believe oh there
1: is some um <laughs> some controversy as to whether the original ending of Job existed. That it, it just clashes so much with the rest of the book. It seems like the message Oh the of, the
0: like he gave everything back. Yeah, after yeah, yeah. He it like seems like the it. message of
1: Job is just, you know what, God can do what he wants <laughs> right. and uh that's all there is to it. You don't get to question or wonder and uh and then at the later point someone put in but because he was so faithful to god he got everything was rewarded yeah yeah, now that definitely
0: sounds like a retcon uh (laughs) a lot of the bible is very much in line with the because god is an anthropomorphized force of nature i mean if if you are a bronze age israelite Mm -hmm. wondering why like huh i'm the only survivor from this flood that wiped out my whole village and like (laughs) what why did that happen i guess god just does whatever the fuck he wants. So I,
1: thing is, I'm a little torn on this because I like to talk a big game, right? Mm. I, I absolutely like my fiction to be we have to murder this god, and I want to say I would be on that side too. But on the other hand, like if I was actually living in Nazi Germany, I don't know if I would like run out in the streets, guns blazing, yeah. first time I saw a Nazi patrol to to
0: take him down. I, I you would
2: ingratiate I, yourself with Hitler personally, so you could
1: take him <laughs> down yourself.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah.
3: That
0: was actually the analogy I was going to bring up too, where I'm like, because this is God and hell and whatever, like it's easy to abstract about it. But it's like, what if it was the same thing about like, oh, you're going to go kill Hitler? Have you heard of gas chambers? Yeah. I'm like, so. it, it almost seems like a non sequitur to me. I'm like, but what if a bad thing happens? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's the point. I'm trying to stop the bad thing. <laughs>
1: like, I think it would be. It I would, would want probably to. be at the very least. You should say, you know. I'm going to pretend to be a believer and secretly work against God in the best way I can to hope to someday take him down in the future. But I certainly don't think anyone should be out there like, you know, I'm 100% making it my life's goal to convert as many people as possible. You know, it would be my life's goal to convert people to the cause of, sub, you know, secretly taking God down. But God uh, would
2: be wise to that if he, if he knows everything.
0: Yeah. God's OP.
1: <laughs> yeah. it's just not fair i mean at this point we're talking about fantasy worlds anyway. exactly yeah, yeah, i mean i'm yeah.
0: more like i was trying to assert that my values yeah. <laughs> yeah totally are more like the this is terrible and shouldn't exist yeah like I'd... i'm not saying that I, I wouldn't cave to torture because i'm amazing i don't know i've never been tortured i probably would i probably would crack like anybody else my oh that's tor- another thing there's a going back to this story real quick uh there's a chapter about torture and. Hmm. uh Talking to strangers and about how you say can you break anybody. Torture strangers. <laughs> <laughs> if
2: you really want to know a person? Torture him. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, I'm kidding. Well, yeah, uh,
0: it was very much the whole torture doesn't work because you can. You can torture any human enough that they'll tell you whatever you want to hear, yeah. but they—they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. Right. <laughs> They're not Whether going to tell you the truth. They mm-hmm. won't even know what the truth is anymore after you like break them far enough. And yeah. because I know that,
2: my pre-commitment to torture is like I—I I will cave at the threat of torture. <laughs> I loved that in Deadpool too, when TJ Miller's like Cable's sitting there threatening him, like I'm gonna break gonna bend your fingers the way they shouldn't bend, and then I'm gonna get some you know nails or whatever, and he's just like, okay, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> um, like I, yeah. like,
0: Let's just skip that whole part. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna eventually. Tell you everything <laughs> yeah
2: let's just i'm gonna tell you everything why don't i just have all my fingers after you know after i'm done telling you everything perfect um my uh what was i gonna say something torture maybe
1: you could make it harder for them buy your allies an extra day or two if that is a thing that might be valuable i
2: suppose like you know in deadpool 2 he didn't do that but uh he you know it's it's well, also a comedy it's, yeah it's also yeah. a comedy um
0: well, one of the things that was a uh, yeah, we we probably should wrap up. One more thing that was kind of cool, though, uh, or kind of interesting. Apparently, um, when, you know, they were capturing various people in various wars, oh my god, I can't remember words or things, but mm-hmm. the female soldiers would not cave anywhere easily, like, near as easily as the male soldiers, where it was oh. this, like, this... Probably they said the psychology is if you are a female soldier, you've had to deal with a lot of shit already, and you've, like kind of internalize this hard-ass right. perspective, but what they kept doing uh, was already... when they're trying to get a male soldier to to spill the beans about something, they would pull a female soldier out and threaten to torture her, and then they would always cave. And the women would be screaming at them like, I wouldn't have told, I did my job, You, why, why wouldn't you do your job? And they wouldn't tell either. <laughs> like oh. it, it was really hard to break the female soldiers. They would just be like, I'm going to torture your male comrade," and they'd be like, well, he signed up for it. I that's, mean, <laughs> that's why I, I generally always <laughs> Sorry, <prefer dude. laughs>
1: my my like fantasy and uh, heroes and my action heroes and stuff like that to be women, because like for a dude to be in the fantasy army taking up swords or whatever is just like every guy is expected to do that. Right. You're not special at all. But for a woman to be in that position, like there's something unique and interesting about her that she ended up in that spot.
0: anybody who um i guess is marginalized or not going to be the typical soldier like it's just an interesting like but then i also dislike the fact that it kind of keeps pointing out the fact that this is unusual (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not as unusual anymore it still is like it's still the norm for i guess most militaries are largely comprised of men but it's
1: it's becoming more it's less
0: of like especially since so
1: many military jobs nowadays don't involve direct combat
0: yeah actually i think a lot of um people that are piloting drones or women oh they found that they're psychologically better at it I
1: that's feel- distressing are women more psychopathic
0: um i forget what the reason was i, I feel like looking this up again because now i'm not sure if i remember correctly i think it was more about uh conscientiousness okay or possibly it was a uh, Uh, you know what I don't even want to say things but like I don't know if I'm saying true things or not or just misremembering so to put put a
2: lid on the whole hell thing I took it at face value I think what you just said correctly or I interpreted what you said correctly is like this is you're making a value statement not like what you would do in real life like I I thought that was clear I feel like it's too absurd to be gentle that was nitpicking
1: (laughs) it just seems like the argument of have you heard of you will be you know threatened and hurt if you don't do the thing someone says I don't think that's a good argument. That's, that's a reason to fight against that person. It's not a reason to be like, oh, okay, says the guy who still pays his taxes. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, well, you don't have, a, you don't have a,
2: a rebellion big enough to do the things that you say that's you right. would like to do.
1: Right? I need to secretly start a counter-government conspiracy. This is a conspiracy.
2: Oh, There's the name's right in the show. That's so, true.
1: Yeah. Damn it. I gave it away. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so Globy over at the subreddit, which actually still exists. Uh, or Globy, Globy, I don't know. Okay. Uh, the the Discord is where most of the interaction happens, but there is still a subreddit and some people do still use it. So you can check that out at r slash the Bayesian conspiracy. Anyways, Globby pointed out that squirrels breaking things is actually quite common. <laughs> this was in response to my saying like how crazy it was that the LHC was... Uh, Delayed like three or four times, and one of those times was like a random squirrel getting in some place. They chew on wires, store acorns in antennas. Engineers seeing specific squirrels in specific tube might say that it's surprising, but the LHC is so huge, it's actually not that weird that something went wrong.
2: Yeah, isn't it like 16 miles? Circumference, so like... So that's... That's a lot of areas for squirrels to poke into.
1: I I am significantly reducing (laughs) my uh, confidence that that was that unusual of a thing. But there were like three or four pretty coincidental coincidences i like squirrels that's that's my my reply i like
0: squirrels too and also i can confirm that they're really good at like that they're just mischievous Hmm. actually i like i'm a big fan of mischievous animals like i kind of like the asshole animals that (laughs) my friend has this cat that expresses affection by coming over and just biting you or like like a gentle biting well yeah it doesn't break the skin but it's also like a lot of people like think this cat is like a sociopath and Hmm. actually more like There's a bunch of stuff I already knew about cat psychology, but more recently I was looking up this specific thing where cats have this kind of bro culture, like, amongst themselves where they do actually, like, kind of express affection or intimacy by, like, fucking with each other, Hmm. like, gently biting each other, like, smacking each other around. Because that's also how kittens play. Like, doing, like, kind of, like, a fake wrestling thing, you know, like, grab your friend, give him a noogie, like, punch him in the air, like, yeah, but, but, like, a cat does that to a human, people are, like always like what did i do wrong
2: <laughs> i knew it so when, when i'm petting my cat she will occasionally like she'll flop like really heavily and like just like roll over and like expose her tummy and then you're scratching her tummy and she enjoys it and then she'll grab my hand to the front paws and then just like kick with her back once and she's doing it without her claws yeah she's just doing little kicks <laughs> and it's really cute and then she'll like she'll do little nibbles too but she's clearly having a good time yeah and like i think she can get overstimulated and then when she's bored she'll leave or when she's done with it she'll leave but yeah she, she's she's she, if, she wanted, if she was kicking to get rid of me, she wouldn't grab my hand first. She, she's just like, kick, 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 kick. She's playing. My cat does that, too. Yeah. I love it. I'm trying to get it on video, but she's very uh, conscientious about cameras.
0: Yeah. Really?
2: I mean, she, she just knows, like, all right, Rachel, she's doing it. Pull the camera out. Then Rachel will move, and she'll, like, oh, oh, I'm being filmed. Okay, I'm I'm a good kitty. I'm a huh. good kitty on camera.
0: I've noticed that with a lot of animals. They don't like being filmed, and, like, they, I don't think they How know what they... being filmed means. Yeah. I think they just don't like having a strange object pointed at them.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> And also the owners start to get weird. You're not paying attention to the cat anymore. You're paying attention to the object. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh this is over on the Discorf Mail, The Doof. You called it Discorf. I noticed that too. I? I wasn't <laughs> yeah. gonna point it out, but now it's,
0: it's
1: pretty great. F- from now on the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord is called the Discorf. Perfect. <laughs> I read
2: this too, uh Matt's comment. Yeah. And I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I to me the great filter, my, the biggest one and just my before we dive into his awesome one, mine's super boring, I'm gonna say eukaryotic life is the biggest filter as far okay. as I'm concerned. They're, there's probably planets out there covered in slime. Sure. But they're all, you know, single celled and boring. Uh, or just one big chain of amino acids, right? Ooh, uh, just one big goop pile. Yeah. Um, what the cube from D and D? Oh, the gelatinous cube. The gelatinous yeah, yeah. cube. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, so uh, Matt brings up. Sorry, Matt. We're Dinamail. It's a public name. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Matt Dinamail. Yeah. There we go. Um, I wouldn't
2: have outed his username. Yeah.
1: Wants to bring out uh, his favorite candidate for the Great Filter, because we talked about the Great Filter briefly in that episode as well. Oil. It'd be incredibly difficult to bootstrap a technological civilization without oil. Maybe impossible. The only way oil happens is if a very specific set of geological circumstances are met. You need a certain rate of deposition... Depos, deposition? Did I that I right? think it's deposition. Deposition, okay. Of organic matter coupled with a certain rate of erosional deposition from landmasses. And for that to happen, you pretty much need a certain level of weather, enough that there's steady erosion, but not so much that you have repeated massive erosional events that destroy your basins. You need a certain level of geological activity and a pretty specific temperature gradient on your planet, such that the typical burial process results in heating up and cooking the organic matter into oil. You need the right amount of oxygen so that your oil isn't oxidized in place and made useless. If all of these parameters are off, your planet has no oil. Or coal, for the same reasons. Which, holy shit.
2: Yeah, it makes it a very compelling case. And I like it a lot because, uh, I mean, people I remember countered with like, well, we could use this. It's like, yeah, we could. But that's a lot harder. Yeah. And that came a lot later after yeah. we'd already boosted up our civilization. Right. Someone uh,
1: brought up whale oil, but there's there's not that many whales. There's not a lot of whales. <laughs> not enough to, yeah. yeah. I think a lot on I, our planet.
2: It'd be, it'd be really hard to farm them enough to harvest their oil to power a civilization. Yeah,
1: I just don't think you could get enough from any sort of animal to... Yeah, the, fa- civilization. the fact that we happen
2: to be on a planet that's full of basins, full of just like really easy energy, yeah. um, certainly helps.
1: So there might be like hundreds or hundreds of thousands of pre industrial civilizations out there just kind of stuck with no banging order. rocks together, trying yeah, to make exactly. fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, poor bastards. <laughs> How far could we have gotten? Well, I mean, I before it. we had oil, we had water wheels. Like, with the, we, they could probably get up to a late medieval. Level of technology, yeah. Again, like well,
0: you're assuming, that like if they had everything that we have, the exact conditions, but with no oil, it, it's again like another. Here's a weird, like, coincidence thing, and like you, you kind of trace it back and be like, "How unusual is this?" But
1: oh man, are you taking away all our fun again?
0: I'm sorry, I have to <laughs> do the no fun thing. No, no. It's Like, <laughs> I think that they, it, it can be. I think that can
2: be. It, I think that's still fun. Like for every planet that has all the pre, all the conditions that uh, lead up to like say medieval technology, oil is probably our basins of oil enough to power the planet for a few centuries is probably a smaller percentage of those planets. Um, just because of the things that have to be lined up for it. Right. Right. So yeah, you, you could get to the comfortable level or even, you know, maybe everyone has, uh, you know, I I don't know how easy it would be to make, you know, and distribute batteries or something that could store charge energy from, from wheel, from water wheels or something. But Mm. like, even if you got that far, still a lot harder to get to space, um, without, just kick- kick-starting uh,
1: technology that way, right? Yeah. Maybe they'd do it eventually, but we'll get there first, because we got oil.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe there's some other, like, really readily available source of energy that's really common throughout the rest of the universe, and people think this about us. Look at those <laughs> four assholes just burning dinosaur fossils. <laughs> yeah.
2: They have, to, they have to dig up dead animals to burn. Like, we just use Mostly whatever...
0: Mostly plant matter.
1: Huh? Mostly plant matter. Sure. People yeah. always say dinosaurs, but I'm like,
0: it was mostly plant matter. It's more
1: fun to think of dinosaurs. All right, fine. But yeah,
2: no, you're yeah. Point I had
1: him. no idea that the Sinclair dinosaur was there because oil is quote unquote made from dinosaurs.
2: I literally didn't. I I'm just my that mind's being blown right now too. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, oh, that is so morbid. <laughs> That's
2: kind of funny. Yeah. I never I never made the connection either.
1: We're burning his
0: family. Mm, delicious dinosaur
1: juice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And the last feedback that we're going to hit today is from quite a bit before this. MQP says, I'm kind of baffled that none of the people there seem to take the personal positive part of marriage. This was, I think, when we were talking about marriage on, I don't know if that was a direct topic or if it came up in an episode or something. I don't
0: remember. We
2: did an anti-marriage episode. Well, yeah. you tried to make an anti-marriage episode. And yeah. I'm not, I, I don't think I this I played middleman and Naveen. Okay, yeah.
1: I think Maybe. it came
0: up again since then. Yeah.
1: Um, anyways, MPQ says the part where you establish common knowledge about the importance of your relationship by sending a costly signal about it and doing a ritual, which I actually now that I he mentions it is a really good point. Creating common knowledge is both important and difficult, and you can't often just say things; you have to signal them, and signals got to be costly. Uh, MPQ says, "Enei seem to think that it was just society telling you what to think, and thereby worthless. Damn your donut, donut <laughs> in my lung. It's not coronavirus."
2: All right, we'll let him choke and i'll i'll respond to the first part of that which is um if i was smart like who commented this mqp if i was smart like mqp i might have put that in my my pitch for marriage as to why i'm for it like if it, if it works for you like don't you know it's one of those things but i'm married i love it i don't people keep like the common question we've been married for less than a year is like you know how's things different you know uh you guys looking and then leading up to it, you guys looking forward to like post-marriage and all that? i'm like no it's like gonna be exactly exactly the same as it is now like we've we've had the the life that we have now for the last eight years mm-hmm. what what it was it was like it was a fun celebration and ritual is not a bad word for it we picked we picked and chose the parts of the ritual like the the common tropes of it that we liked and disregarded the parts that we didn't like but uh yeah i i'm on board so far
1: yeah no. Um, within Reason responded that <clears throat> a prenup establishes common knowledge between the two people being married, which usually a wedding doesn't. And uh, MPQ replied, point taken, but the common knowledge that I care about is stuff like, this couple makes most decisions most decisions together and shares values, so if you're doing something that impacts one of them, you should take the other into account. Not things like what would happen to the house if they divorce. Inar says you don't need any legal stuff to accomplish that, and I disagree. I think having real material consequences associated with being married is a reason why the tradition became powerful and remains powerful. And if you tried to replace it with something that had no consequences, people would not take it seriously. And I think that's a good point. I, Whenever I know that someone is coupled, I assume that anything I say to one of them will be uh, common knowledge between the two of them by the end of the day.
0: What if you have like a nine-person polycule?
1: <clears throat> that is... Um, not coupled. Depends... I mean, that depends on how close those individual relationships are.
0: What if you have a business partner who you are much more financially invested with than your spouse, and you're both financially independent from each other?
1: I would not expect uh, that of a business partner. If I told something to Steven and he was in business with someone else that I told him in confidence, I would be you know, hurt and think it's a really shitty thing for him to do to tell it to his business partner. But I would expect that Rachel would know before the end of the day. Just for, the, because,
2: for the record, I've said this before, yeah. like... Most things we talk about, I feel like you'll say to the podcast, so like I you know yeah. I'm fine talking about it with close people, yeah. um, but if you're like, "Hey, can you keep this between us? I always do. That's not between us and Rachel okay um, well like,
1: i I literally do not want if I'm coupled with someone, I do not want anyone to tell me something that they don't want the coupled person to know. Because and you've never then I either like have that. to keep a secret from the coupled person, or I have to betray their trust. Yeah, and don't so like don't, secrets. don't 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 put me in a weird spot where
2: like I don't know. I can't imagine the kind of knowledge you could have or want to share that would be you know that you wouldn't also share with Rachel. But um, turns I turns out
1: only males have souls.
2: <laughs> for the for the record, like I I, uh, I had something, and now I don't know what's on the record. So anyway, <laughs> other, that's my general thing is like I we we don't really go home and talk about like tell me everything that, you know, was going on with all your friends. Like, like that's even like a common joke among, you know, men, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, Jeff's getting divorced. It's like, oh my God, why? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> he said he's getting divorced and he didn't want to talk about it. So we didn't. It's like, but how do you not know? It's like, well, they, we didn't talk about it. Like, I, there are people that I've known forever and I don't know what the least bit what's going on in their lives. It just doesn't come up, right? Yeah. Um. So it it we we don't follow the TV trope of going home and like gossiping about everyone we know. So...
0: Man, my former boss and his wife gossiped about everybody, and, like, it was their favorite hobby, the two of them. Mm. It was kind of bizarre to me because I just don't understand that kind of gossip culture. Like, there's a difference between, you know, I prefer radical honesty, but I don't like the, like, layers of secrets that gossiping causes. Yeah. Where, like... Yeah, I don't have any patience for that whatsoever. One of them would be like, oh, man, do you want to hear about this thing that's happening (laughs) with your coworker and... And his friend and I'm just like no, um, <laughs> uh, the, the way you're saying it's yeah, weirding it me out me, right now. <laughs> yeah. Makes me think that
1: I'd be safe for saying no. <laughs> the your nine person polycule comment is really interesting. I mean, it has me thinking
0: now. Well, like, this the, the is, thing that I'm responding to there is the couple privilege thing or the like. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, but I think this is like MQP's point. Like, it's it's easier, I think, to to establish common knowledge of of a couple uh, pairing because you're often seen together. You often talk about each other, but when there's nine people, it's much harder. And I can see like how having a big costly ritual that you invite everyone in the community to, I'd be like, Oh, okay. So these nine people are together or like maybe these four and then they're linked between these two. And then these three, like having a big establishment like that would probably help. Um, so I like, rituals. I almost think like, yeah, maybe having, maybe having, big marriage rituals for more complicated situations would be a better use of those resources
0: I like don't hate marriage on like the principle it's more that there there's a bunch of things about it first of all like the it's powerful and that's why it remains powerful and I'm like well yeah but there's a lot of shitty things about it that did make it powerful and a good strategy mm-hmm. I guess if you're like the you know claiming a human as property thing or buying a human with a dowry and then like the whole like i don't know there's stuff that made sense in the context back then that doesn't anymore and still maybe wasn't super great for all parties involved (laughs) women cough back then (laughs) but like what if i wanted to why why is it that like it has to be a couple and why does it have to be like in the context of a romantic or sexual relationship with somebody that you like I, i couldn't make this kind of costly signal with my best friend there's no marriage for your best friend ritual i think there but should be what if i had a if best friend who i had like friend. i was much yeah. closer to than anybody else in my life <clears throat> yeah you know like so that there's some things about marriage that still bug me and i mm-hmm. like being able to point those out and it's not saying that like because i've complained about marriage doesn't mean that i hate it and i want to get rid of it And i don't think anybody else should do it you know <laughs> And I do think... The reason that I'm not bringing up the like obvious benefits of marriage is because that's not relevant. to <laughs>
1: Yeah. That the downsides outweigh the benefits. If you're Inyash.
0: Yeah, it depends on Inyosh. what you mean. I mean, I've been talking about maybe marrying Phoenix, but it would not be the traditional... There's not going to be a diamond involved. I don't want my family <laughs> mm-hmm. nearby. Or a bunch of the assumptions to be made about like what this means. Or even the gender roles thing around marriage, too, is just like... Uh, there's this like, you know, uh, oh, when are you going to have a baby or whatever? And it's mm, like, uh, yeah. Phoenix doesn't want kids. I kind of want kids, but I don't want to have a kid because of dysphoria, but my other partner wants to have a kid with their body because they like that idea. And that would be cool if, you know, we all just co-parented this kid. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to be able to make these kinds of rituals work for me and <laughs> yeah. my circumstances and my people. I think marriage is very limiting.
2: And I I, you know, my my sales pitch on it for what it worked for me is like we don't have the the tropey style relationship anyway. So you know we don't we don't fall into the the norms of like well this you know everything you saw on TV in the 90s and 2000s or whenever you grew up I guess right like we don't do that stuff. And I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest anyone marry a partner that they're doing that stuff with unless they really want to have that sort of relationship.
0: I'd never merge like, finances with somebody. That's bizarre to me.
2: We don't have our finances merged. Like, I mean, why why would we legally you do well they as a practice opposed, they aren't but yeah if, if if things if things got hairy and she turned into a psychopath, we might but like my uh like like right now i the mortgage is in my name and I have the payment auto drafted from my account and I've venmo her every month like there's there's no sense and and we both have jobs like she spends her money I spend my money like that that seems like the easiest circumstance, and that's what we have planned. If in the future I happen to like earn three times as much as she does, or something, there it would be weird for us to, you know, I would I would be fine adjusting things a bit. But like, it, I don't know, all the all the stuff that like people are like, oh well, you know, marriage sucks because you know you need you, what you know, I'll, I insert trope or whatever. I'm like, yeah, then just don't do that part. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's there's nothing that says you have to. Or
0: so, like, marriage has these benefits. Well, like, sure, I'm gonna I want to claim what some of those benefits for me, but I just don't want it to come along with the like and then you are forced into this weird arrangement that took place in early agrarian societies where the expectation is like the man works and the woman stays home and takes care of the kids so she's dependent on his finances and that's why we do that yeah. doesn't make sense anymore
2: yeah so we don't do that part either like i we didn't do our our marriage isn't reading from a script like it, it, i think a lot of the the there i think there are legitimate things to poke at like this is these are some troubles with marriage but like they're not uh, universal, right? You could say that of, of you know, well, the problem with uh, any, I don't know. It, you, I think you could pick apart a lot of things in society that everyone approves of and be like, well, it used to mean this two thousand years ago, and it's like, so fucking what? Um,
0: this reminds me of. I, I think the thing that is bugging me about, and I'm sorry about, like the, if this is coming off as, no, you're being good. My my to, swearing, no, my, my swearing made it
2: sound like I was annoyed, but I'm just.
0: No, I mean, more like, I'm kind of, I realize I'm bristling at the way that the commenter wrote the comment, and it's the same thing about the other comment about, uh, about hell. Haven't you ever heard of hell? Like, some of these sound like, I don't know, like, this, the analogy that I'm thinking of is, if I were like, oh, I don't want to get a dog because these reasons, and then somebody's like, why do you hate dogs? And starts telling (laughs) me all the good, like, like, things that could happen if I had a pet dog, and it's more like, whoa, like... Well, to be fair, I, <laughs> I think I didn't say MQP that I hate was, dogs. I'm I just think, saying that a dog wouldn't work for me for these reasons, and, like...
1: I think MQP was replying specifically to me, and I had said yeah. that marriage is stupid and no one should ever get one.
0: <laughs> so, so I was saying no one should get dogs.
1: <laughs> I know, don't know. that I mean, um,
0: Even... <clears throat> yeah, that, that was probably phrasing it too strongly, and I think that, like, probably what you weren't trying to do was tell other people how to live their lives, but more of just, like based on the bad experiences you have and, like, the fact that a lot of people don't think about these things or know that these are the drawbacks that you're taking on. Yeah.
1: Well, Mm. because previously I had said there's basically no um, benefits at all, and now (laughs) I have to walk that back a little bit and say, okay, there is the very costly social signal um, and common knowledge created in the community that these people are interlinked in certain ways.
0: I don't know that it should mean that, though.
1: I, I, like well if it if it doesn't mean that, then you probably shouldn't have the wedding, right?
0: I don't know, I mean, like hmm,
1: maybe that could yeah, be... I guess
0: another sorry, go on no, no go ahead, uh, another yeah, like one of the things that is keeping me from doing a marriage is that like I worry about all the assumptions that people are going to make about being married mm-hmm. and what it means
1: well, that's that's kind of the point,
0: like you're the, supposed
1: to get those assumptions with the marriage, that's why you're with the like
0: dating somebody everyone assumes that like me and phoenix if they like see us together an exclusive couple and that we have a particular style of relationship and i'm just like uh i don't know if you're ready to hear about how our <laughs> relationship mm-hmm. actually works or any of this but uh but like just the fact that people immediately assume that like oh these people are dating and then that means that x y and z is also true i was mm-hmm. like no <laughs> actually
1: people assume that a fair bit less nowadays about people that are dating mm mm-hmm. I certainly our dating market has changed a lot.
2: I'm just not out meeting a lot of people who tell me what they think, and if I, they're not telling me, there's a great chance I don't give a shit. Mm. Like, if they assume that I live in some tropey marriage where, you know, I have to watch my step or I'm in the doghouse and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have to do all the man chores and whatever, and she's at home, you know, barefoot and pregnant doing the dishes, <laughs> like, all right, cool, I don't really care what you think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like... You this- don't
0: find it annoying if people do, like... I don't know. Like, like, what if you were like out at a bar and you got a text from Rachel, and then somebody's like, "Oh, why is your wife texting you to come home?" I've or, like, had moments like that. Like that it, doesn't that annoy you? No, I, I <laughs> really. I, or is it more that you just kind of laugh and you're like, "Oh, you poor fool." But <laughs> it, it's
2: more that, and and I and it maybe sounds condescending, and maybe it's my you know the, I would say it's something to do with you know there there's certainly fewer filters I have to go through with people because my my relationship is more traditional um, on on its face, I guess, but like uh i i do have a a gentler version of like oh you fool you think <laughs> that's what this means i'm so, I feel so bad for you and you know rachel will tell me if she'll be out with her friends they'll go out after work or something and um you know she like one one of them has to like lie to her husband and say that they're working late because he they, he likes that she comes home after work and whatever and yeah. it's like that's insane like if rachel <laughs> wants to go and do whatever the hell she wants to she go whatever she, the hell she wants like you know what we do is to keep each other in the loop yeah. um You know, just because it's polite. You know, if she didn't come out after work one day, I'd be really worried. Um, (laughs) But if she said, I'm going to go out with my friends and be drunk all night and get a lift home, like, go nuts. Have fun. Be safe. Um, It's I. So, yeah, in the the context where people do say those things, I have I have more of the like, I'm sorry, your relationship sucks response rather than like, I'm annoyed that you're making assumptions about me. Um, I don't know. I'll keep my eyes peeled for any time where I feel any annoyance at these judgments, but it probably doesn't help that I rarely, like, okay. I, 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 maybe, I don't get out that much, so.
0: Maybe it's more that, like, when I have been in relationships where it was, like, more, uh, I don't know, where, where I didn't look as queer as I do now, um, one thing that I remember kept coming up was, like, when I would change my hair, because I frequently do, or at least used to, now I work at a hospital, I have to be more boring, but i would have like i don't know if i blue mohawk or whatever and somebody be like oh man what does your boyfriend think of that or like i can't believe really? your boyfriend let you do that or something like that like i, I would get Holy that kind of comment crap. all the time and i was just like why do you think that my dating partner has anything to do with what i do to my appearance like <laughs> it's just such a bizarre response
1: this very um, well
2: might be a thing that, fucking that way
1: to try to police you too yeah
2: th- I, th- I think this is definitely a thing that maybe impacts women and people who present as women more <laughs> than That's men kind of what i was trying to get out uh, even though yeah no. I,
0: th- I think it's shitty on both sides though there's there's certain shitty stereotypes from both sides yeah
2: but as far as like i just I've don't never know as asked. many
0: of them personally since i've you know yeah
2: i was asked once like when is uh like my uh brother-in-law asked like hey when is my, your cousin gonna have or your niece gonna have a, a cousin to play with and i was mm-hmm. like uh not for me, like. But I mean, he—he's just kind of a bro. I feel like he's just—he he was reading from a script. I think when he asked that, right? Mm. Like, I don't think that he, and like, I really didn't care that he asked. That said, if I was asked every time I went out and someone saw my new wedding ring, you're like, oh my god, when are you guys having kids? I might eventually get annoyed at the yeah. repetitive question, but not at the uh, judge, uh, um, the assumption on the person asking it. Um, that said, I know I know Rachel will, will get asked once in a while, like, when are you guys having kids? Mm-hmm. And so that's because she's the woman, I guess. Yeah. Um, and she's the one she, that cares then, about babies. And then she gets <laughs> to say never. And then like, Oh my God, you'll change your mind or, Oh, how come? Or, you know, all that <laughs> annoying stuff that again, part of my like social filter is that I, uh, interact with people who are, um, you know, I, co- I go to, I do people like people like you guys or people like my coworkers, which are, you know, programmer bros for the most part, or like programmer nerds, mm. bros, there's a bro type version and they're not, they're not really that either. So programmers, yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, there's there's not a lot of like me running around to like the average uh, person who read who gets their life cues from the 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 life version of TV tropes and <laughs> tries to ask you when are you gonna do this trope. So, I'm subjected to it a lot less than I think many people would be, and so I can't say I wouldn't find it annoying if I was hit with yeah. it more often. But as it happens, I'm not, and my relationship's fucking dope. So you know i that that should be how it is like if if the person I, I i i've sold on this before but like yeah i don't know find the right person that makes you happy the right way all the time and that's how your relationship should be so
3: yeah all right
2: all right, all right. let's thank our patron and while we're while we're finding the list i want to point out that uh because we read one of matt's comments i bought uh my wife and i which is fun to say i get titillated when i say wife <laughs> um uh i bought us each copies of the gunslinger by stephen king mm. because they started a new podcast recently called uh kingslingers where they're doing a uh kind of like a we want more we've got worm read through of it mm-hmm. and this time scott is playing the matt and matt is playing the scott to make that less confusing scott <laughs> has read the the <laughs> books before and matt hasn't so matt's doing the blind read this time
1: how far you th- know are they so far
2: uh they're i think past the first book
0: oh whoa that was fast those it's guys podcast probably- too much yeah, they do one episode a week, down. and like
2: <laughs> the the first book's only a couple hundred pages. <laughs> so I can keep up. So like okay. it goes by pretty fast. Um, I think they did three episodes for the first book, okay. which is, uh, I mean, not Have a you great strategy. To them already? No, I've only listened to the uh, intro episode because I'm only part way through the first book. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I've never read any Stephen King <clears> before, <throat> and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I thought it was... Im- I didn't know anything what to expect, mm. and it's a fantasy series. Have you read Gunslinger? No, I haven't.
1: Oh. I know of it.
2: Um. It's it's interesting so far. I don't know what is going on yet, so I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. Sure. It's, what I can say is that it's weird, but I think it might be in a fun kind of weird. Yeah.
0: So I think Scott and Matt could make anything sound interesting. I know. I was listening to their actual, like, Doofcast podcast where they were talking about, like, it was some uh series of movies that i like definitely don't want to watch but i was really enjoying hearing their analysis of it
1: <laughs> i remember when they talked about the meet the feebles that crazy muppet movie with the cult following and after i heard that episode i was like this sounds awesome i kind of want to see this and then when matt was over at my place or maybe it was the meetup or something i was like so that meet the weevils was pretty good huh And he was like if you're watching it at 2x speed. <laughs> huh? I was like, oh. okay." I think,
2: uh, you know, we don't know if the person that paid them to watch that is listening to our show, too. Oh, Probably right. not, but... That's you know, why
0: I th- didn't point out the specific movie oh so shit <laughs> it, i'm sorry it, it, it doesn't matter
2: i mean so this is just going to be a fact that and it's like you enjoyed we it enough exactly they yeah. they they didn't say no and it, it's just a fact that if like they have a platform where it's like you can pay us to watch stuff they can't guarantee they'll like everything right what they can do is they'll guarantee that they'll watch it and that they will discuss it for an hour and change and, and that
1: they will say the things they did like about it yeah. yes
2: which i think is really like an asset yeah
0: so, it is like i they do did... think they mostly shit on Minoka magica which i found really funny even though really? i like Minoka magica
1: i love it oh okay <laughs> But, was that because Scott hates all anime?
0: Yeah, but I mean, there was also a bunch of things that they pointed out. Like, even um, not, like, coming from as much of maybe an anime background, like, um, Matt found it to be really creepy how, like, they were, you were supposed to be, I guess, like, to find these, like, prepubescent girls sexualized, like, being kind of attractive or, like, okay. Oh, Where he, he having young daughters thing, was kind of like, uh... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I... I <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the one hand i sort of agree with him on the other hand there's a whole cultural thing yeah
0: so the thing is like watching that i didn't even like i was like yeah you know sayaka's bay or whatever but it's just like when you actually like oh these are supposed to represent like actual pre-pubes humans i don't even think of that anime characters are just fantasy characters like right. they're, they're not real
2: <laughs> i think i need to keep making that shift like most anime i consume doesn't really have a lot of minors in it so that's fine um, or if they do they're not doing sex stuff but like there's
1: literally watching a show right now an anime show that is about minors doing sex stuff weird yeah
2: so you got to push you got to push through like how gross that aspect of it is
1: well no 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 no, because that is like the focus of the show it's um so i'm only on episode three i was just sold on it at our last meetup uh by two people we know i don't know if it's okay to say their names but uh it's called darling in the franks
0: oh okay i've seen that whole thing i enjoy that one a lot
1: yeah i'm only on episode three and i was like oh so when they were telling me about it they were like oh yeah the girls are bent over in their tight body suits haha anime and i'm like oh this is literally about sexual trauma being inflicted on minors holy fuck
0: yeah well gynex does a good job with that kind of thing though yeah is this
1: this isn't gynex is it
0: uh or trigger it's it's uh it's either gynex or it's trigger which is an offshoot of gynex oh oh i didn't know that but um yeah i mean they're all about deconstructing the tropes of anime anyway so like the, the fact that like they do pose them in these weird provocative and they have these weird outfit it, they, they keep making a bunch of jokes about it but then eventually like the story gets darker and like you realize episode that like episode
1: two <laughs> that's i mean i guess it's gonna
0: get even no, it, darker it gets but... even darker okay yeah. i'm curious to hear how you react to some things now that i know you're watching that
1: yeah no i saw episode two and at first i was like this is fucked up and then i saw episode three and i was like it's more fucked up than i thought it keeps thought. getting fucked up okay <laughs>
2: And this was recommended by somebody who didn't watch Game of Thrones because they didn't like the incest. No, I watched it. No, this was recommended
0: by somebody. Oh, oh, that's a good point. That's weird. I maybe
1: they were tricked into it because they love anime and then didn't. uh, I think the
0: thing is, it's not like this anime is pro like traumatizing minors with sex things. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: I don't think that Game of Thrones is really pro incest
0: either. Yeah, but it's not anti incest. Yeah, Game of Thrones is kind of like it's
1: not about specifically tackling the topic. Yeah, which yeah. is well, yeah. I don't think you're
2: supposed to take away from it that like incest is sometimes
1: cool. Right, but it's not like,
0: all about like processing
1: the trauma of an. Game incest of Thrones relationship. tends
0: not to make value judgments about like the stuff that it does to the point where right. I remember that I was actually pretty annoyed by like a bunch of the rape scenes because it was it's here's like, some rape. Yeah, like We're they, not they judge. keep kind of yeah, like throwing it in your face and like trying to be like we're game of thrones we're shocking and adult and i'm like i get it like Mm -hmm. can we get back to the plot now and stop just like kind of kind of like sexualizing these rape scenes like you okay we're supposed to like maybe feel bad for these characters or feel like oh this is just a fictional thing that's happening in this universe where this might happen but then i'm like okay you keep doing it in a way that's making me feel kind of gross. <laughs> all right, all
2: right, all right. Also, so whoever feels weird and gross right now, I remember this started with a very positive uh, push for the Kingslingers podcast. <laughs> so people uh, should check that out. I'm looking forward to it. and Which uh, is
1: not at all written by a horror writer, so there will definitely be no violence or rape. I don't know what there will be in it, but okay. uh, I mean... I haven't read it. I'm... I'm- sure there's going to be violence i assume there's going to be some sort of sexual I mean,
2: stuff the guy is called the gunslinger right, right. I mean, if yeah. he doesn't shoot that gun at somebody at some point i'm going to be pretty disappointed
1: right so, <laughs> but check <Chekhov's> gun <laughs> <laughs> check <Chekhov's> Gunslinger. <laughs> yeah.
2: so yeah l- l- i mean let's be real <clears throat> there'll be violence but but you know, the
1: podcast will
0: be positive yeah
2: the pod, like, everything on doof media is great hey, yeah. we, we are not we, sponsored by doof media
0: no have we thanked a patron yet no no we haven't maybe we, maybe should, we should we do have. that yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. <laughs> instead of pimping doof media we will pimp ourselves uh, is it my turn? Sure. Uh, okay. It can be your turn. Crowmore Moore is uh, a patron of ours. He has brought this episode to you. And we thank him very much. What was it we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode? Uh, Coronavirus? How we, no. How are we going to tie this in? There was some kind of oh, about, thing. Oh, uh,
2: raising our social capital or something. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah I
1: was, uh, the moment has passed. That's all right. Sorry about that, Crow Moore. Crow Moore, thank you. You're awesome. Uh, and thank you to all of our patrons who help bring this to you guys. Uh, and we really appreciate it
0: and sorry that we were like really off topic this time a lot that's true we hadn't seen each other in a while yeah,
2: yeah. but i had a great time and thank you again to chrome and everyone also makes the show possible and gives us nice new equipment to keep things sounding nice and crisp yeah and
1: uh, can increase our social capital by telling friends about it, uh, <laughs> our episode or rating or reviewing us and in whatever system you get the podcast from uh, we also have a subreddit that you can take part in at the basin r slash the basin conspiracy, or a Discord that is linked to on our website, the basin or basinconspiracypodcast.com. That's right. Yeah.
0: So lots of good stuff there. Awesome. Cool. Uh, that's it. We've been talking for so long. <laughs> yeah. All right, good night everybody. Goodbye.